Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 3, Episode 27. Today we're talking The Pit from 1981, directed by Lou Lehman. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor the Yet from The Pit McGraw. I used to love that game. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the dumpster. Would you like to know my secret? If you promise not to tell. If you'd like to tell me. I know where there's a huge hole in the ground. A big hole in the ground? It's in the woods, about a mile away. And at the bottom of the hole, down in the dark, there are some things. What kinds of things? Well, they're not people, that's for sure. They got yellow eyes, little tiny ones, and they're all hunched up. I read about them in a book, or something like them. I think they're trolls or troll logs. Do they talk to you, Jamie? It isn't funny, you know. I know, I'm sorry. What I meant was, can you hear them as well as see them? Well, I can hear them sometimes. They're always down there. I think one of them died. No one else in the whole world knows about them but you. Except you. You know about them now. I mean, this is Halloween. Isn't that when all the creepy things are supposed to stock the earth? It deals with demons. Demon resurrection and those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's domain. The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant but are never truly dead. It's Halloween, gentlemen. Halloween, have you forgotten? They're coming to get you, Barbara. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Trick or treat. I'm just glad somebody else besides me remembers what the fuck it was. It from the pit. I fucking, I can see the commercial in my head, dude. Yeah, and that was like the one board game I wanted when I was little. And guess who never got it? This guy. Guess what you're getting for Christmas this year? Yeah, Sam, Sam Whipple came in and made sure Sam. that happened. <laughs> got rid of it. Hit it behind the uh, tree or something. Threw it out the window. Gave it to Prune. Hmm, two kind of from Santa. Right in the garbage, you fucking bastard. He's like in the living room at like four in the morning. He's like, what's that? A board game? Better take that with me. Oh, he's playing it? <laughs> yeah, you, you know what, Joe? You're right. He'd be playing with it on the floor with Santa. Yeah. You know, smiling and shit. And then, like, burns it and then pisses on it to put it out. And he's like, there you go. Merry Christmas, kind of. <laughs> See ya. Is that mine? It was. <laughs> it sure is. The fucking ashes. I, you know, I didn't know that was a game when you said that, so I was just picturing Pennywise in the pit. <laughs> oh, maybe. Staring up. Hey, Georgie. Hey, Jamie. Oh, he's down there with the tr- yeah! trolla logs. Yeah, hanging out, mm-hmm. shooting the shit, playing chess. And playing fucking cards down there, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all connected. Yeah, I wanted all those board games. Never got any of them. My mom's like, here's your fourth box of Uno. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you were up to Quattro. <laughs> yeah, she's like, we had a new Scrabble game. Hooray, I don't know how to play this. Great. <laughs> Spelling. It comes with a dictionary, Connor. Didn't you see it there? <laughs> Can I at least have Forbidden Bridge? <laughs> I just wanted Tornado Rex. That's all. I did get Grape Escape, though, and that was probably uh, one of the better board games I got when I was little because this is like, hey, make these great men and then just fucking destroy them. Oh, I never, I don't remember that one. I remember Splat. 
where you like made the uh, the bugs out of Play-Doh that it came with? Uh, very similar premise. You uh, make these little great men, and your your task is to get through the quote-unquote jam factory without oh. getting pulverized by one of these like saw traps. Huh. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's awesome. I want that one. So yeah, this is our, our third entry in our Trick or Trash uh, month. Oh yeah. Just wanted to say congratulations again to our uh, winner of our um, The Midnight Hour TM <laughs> prize pack. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, TM indeed. TM indeed. I know you guys saw it. We got some cool shit we're giving away for the pit. We got an original one sheet poster. That's pretty dope. We got and and we got everything else from the other prize packs. Your t-shirt, that candle from Goblin Head Candle Works, uh, some stickers, nice little pin for you, and a little uh, jack-o'-lantern treat uh, goodie uh, uh, bucket for you full of candy. Ooh. Some good stuff, man. We got one more to give away, so yes, you better get your entries in for this episode because that's some pretty cool shit. I mean, I want it. I got the poster in the mail to give away, and I'm like, should I keep this? <laughs> you almost reneged on it. Almost, yeah. I was like, do we, uh, do we give this away or not? You have a golem open your driveway? Mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. It's the, mine. I, I fucking turned into like a crazy Bilbo Baggins, and I was like, <laughs> I keeps it. <laughs> You're sitting there in Photoshop just turning that layer on. <laughs> and off. <laughs> No one would know. No one would ever know. You hear that? You hear that fucking voice talking to you, like. Right, right, but it's all clear to you. Yes, exactly. Keep the poster. Why should, why should you have it? It's mine. <laughs> Canadian made-for-TV movie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that explains some things. <laughs> I don't think it was made for TV. I think it's just a Canadian produced, like a low-budget movie. Yeah, no, that lines up either way. I thought it was produced for TV, but I, and everything that I was looking at, it's not. But I could have swore, like, because I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but, like, I could have swore that I remember, like, like just talking to one of my buddies about this movie. And be like, yeah, it's made for, you know, that made-for-TV Canadian movie, The Pit or whatever. And I'm like, oh. And then it turns out it's not, so whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, I was saying, unless, like, Canadian uh, cable standards for, like, content is different, then I can't see this being aired on television as, you know, uncut. <laughs> I could, except for the boobs. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is a little nudity in it. Yeah, except for the boobs, I think everything else is very tame. Uh, Tame to a disarming effect. Well, (laughs) Well, you know, I read some trivia. You know, I'm sure we're going to start breaking down the trivia once we uh, get through the Patreon questions. But since, you know, the thought is on my mind that the director of this film, his wife... Wouldn't let him film any of the nude scenes. So we had, like, the screenwriter do it. We'll, we'll get to that because I want to talk about that again. Okay, that was weird when I read that. But I want to see the boobs. <laughs> you can't see the boobs. Not allowed. Only your daughter's boobs, <laughs> which we'll get yep. to. Yep. That was odd, too. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back around on that, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, let me be shocked that anyone in this movie has some kind of, you know, issue but uh before we uh we get into the uh chocolate bars and or body parts of this movie (laughs) we got some patreon (laughs) questions there sean yep i got a handful of them here uh starting us off jacob chavez he asks is there any possibility that you guys will do a live commentary on a movie if so what movie would you all like to do and if it ever happens that would be totally groovy well jacob we're working on it. <laughs> well, okay, so we're we're working on kind of the the commentary that we're working on working on is specifically for our patrons. Yes, you have to sign up for that Patreon, either five or ten dollars, and you get those commentary tracks. But as far as like, do you mean like watch along kind of thing, like live commentary, like oh, let's watch the movie together and do it live kind of thing? We've been talking about that. Um, we haven't figured out exactly what we want to do yet. Definitely something 
next year for sure. Yes, that's true. To separate the two, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but that's a good point, Joe. Yeah, so as far as, like, commentary tracks goes, the answer is yes for this year, but they're going to be pre-recorded so that you can download them and sync them up to your to your film so you can watch them while we talk about it, or talk over it, <laughs> rather. Yeah, oh yeah. Um. But then we are going to do some, uh, like a, a quote-unquote, like, watch-along event um next year we're not going to spoil it yet but it should be a really good time we're going to go we're going to oh, go two in a row yeah. on there yeah <laughs> i just realized what you're talking about oh yeah and when we get there i just uh, i'll just say this dumpster drillers i can't wait oh it's going to be fucking glorious i'm excited yeah i am too in a perfect world uh as far as what movie i would say this one <laughs> <laughs> this might be a contender especially if it was somehow the first time and we didn't do this episode for this because my live reactions to some of this stuff I wish I had on tape. For sure. <laughs> Were you just imagining yourself with Mike and the bots sitting there or Joel? Oh, my God. Yeah, like, it it did throw me back to, like, some of my favorite MSG3K episodes. It also took me to a weird Tommy Wiseau place that I'm so glad it went to. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to, like... What, like I can't wait to do the commentary track because we're all gonna have to watch the movie at the same time together and commentate on it. So that's that's gonna be fun to to have the uh, the audio go with the visuals for once. Yes. Um. And and Jacob, just to uh, put a pin on that, you were already in, in the ecosystem if you're on the Patreon. So yeah. Look look forward to those soon. Like Joe said, uh, within. An- you know, you'll hear about it when we got it coming to you, but it's very soon on the horizon. I, we can, I think we can even spoil it a little bit right now, what, we, what we're working on for the first one. Sure, yeah. We're doing The Legend of Gatorface, which is like a kid's lifetime movie about a cryptoid alligator man. Sounds like it's got movie dumpster written all over it. Oh, it's fucking great, dude. Little kids, made, made for kids, some kind of alien gator. Can I just make a guess? It's like a kid crawls through a dryer and he comes out the other side as a gator boy. <laughs> <laughs> or a grimace. You know, ask Ali Oates about that. <laughs> it's this kid who, like, loves, like, fucking with people and pulling pranks on people i'm pretty sure and like he um he like builds this costume because there's like this legend the legend of gator face tm is this thing that lives in the swamp and it's like an anthropomorphic gator man um and it turns out like when he goes fucking around and like making a video or whatever and like footprints like terrorizing like people in his town he like gets caught in a barn or some shit and like uh lights on fire and the gator face the real gator face comes and saves him and befriends him (laughs) Okay, sign me up. I mean, I already was signed up, but... It sounds like a South Park episode. It's fucking great, dude. It's a staple of my childhood, so it'll be a lot of fun to tackle. Coming soon. We'll be posting some stuff on on the social media to um to let you guys know when that's going to drop and a little tease for that. But yeah, so if you if you haven't signed up for the Patreon yet and that uh, piques your fancy if you're listening, maybe, maybe you want to go do that. You don't have to do the 10. You, get, you put that 5 up there, and there you go. Yeah. Get some stickers, get some commentary tracks. Yep. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. I think I think it did. Our next question is from Hunter Davenport. Oh boy. And he asks, who would win in a fist fight? Nick Cassavetes or John Hurt? <laughs> Wait, is this gonna be like the Mistima thing where like, okay, we're gonna strip each other of our magical powers and we're just gonna fight each other? Oh no. Hurt is not that stupid. I know, but I'm saying, is it? Yeah, is is this a fist fight or is this a fight? I feel like 
John Hurts at that point where he could say it's a fist fight, but he's got nano fucking machines in his blood that he could just shoot out at a moment's notice. He does, yeah, he just has little butte cannons in each of his knuckles. He's, yeah, if it gets dicey. <laughs> Surprise! I don't think it, he would even need that, right? I feel like John Hurts, like a saucy motherfucker, he would like pull open his coat and he'd have like that data boxing glove come out and just punch Nick Cassavetes <laughs> in the face. <laughs> Punch his fucking head off. Yeah. The thing is, like, Nick Cassavetes, that dude's tall, isn't he? Yeah. Man, his reach would be terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Hunter. You're putting anybody up against John Hurt is probably not going to end well unless it's, like, GVD or one of the Wizards. They they might have a chance. But but even then, they got to kind of work together. I think one-on-one, he beats him every time. Even if Nick Cassavetes beats the shit out of John Hurt, it doesn't matter. No. Right? Or you know what would happen? I feel like John Hurt would, like send himself back in time or like through a paradox and like come out behind Nick Cassavetes so that he has to fight both Hurts at the same time some shit like that that, that sounds like some John Hurt fuckery that he would do he, he makes time remnants what? yeah <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, okay, I okay, I was going to fight Nick Cassavetes on this date, so I'm going to go back in time and, you know, what if he gives himself, like, Inspector Gadget fucking limbs? I mean, that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of saying, man. He's got those nanomachines, you know. Yeah. Tony Stark made them so that he could have Iron Man appear out of anywhere on his body, but John Hurt uh, had a little bit more nefarious means. He just has whatever could pop out of his body at a moment's notice. Like, oh, man. Kronika's crown is, like, embedded in his body at this point. He figured out a way to do that. So, he, you know, he makes it appear when he's got to, you know, really uh, lay down the law. So then one of his time remnants gets injured and becomes Savitar, and this is just Flash Season 3 now, so... <laughs> Look what you did, Hunter, and you'll, you'll get that reference, Hunter. Yeah, you uh, bestowed the horrifying reality of Flash Season 3 onto a different reality. Good job. <laughs> I think the answer is John Hurt. You made me think about Savitar, and I'm upset. I like that you're saying you've brought it onto another uh, place of reality as if the MDU is real. I, I, I appreciate that commitment, Connor. I mean, at this point, like, it feels... I mean, it's it's so fleshed out and convoluted. Yeah, no, it kind of does, right? It's canon. Oh, it's absolutely canon. That that goes without saying. (laughs) So sorry, Nick Cassavetes, you're getting pounded into dust Mm. in one way or another. And he won't emote the entire time. Who's that kid? It's me, John Hurt. It's me, John. I'm not a kid. I'm very old. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm beyond time. Damn it. They go to square up and, and Clint Howard walks up with the fucking rag. <laughs> All right. You're fighting for your lives. If you lose, you lose your life. If you lose, you lose your life. All right. Go. And he fucking runs off. Oh, my God. So, and then he's like attacked by something. Who knows what? Yeah, he's attacked by just a myriad of bugs and parasites and just this big swarm. <laughs> that are just chasing after him. Leonardo's off on the sideline, just throws a thousand ticks at him. They just start gnawing him to pieces. <laughs> oh, my God. I love the idea of someone throwing a thousand ticks at somebody like like, <laughs> like a bag of them like tick bomb it's like a bucket like here you go clint what is this water ah! they dump it on his head like to get like gatorade after a game but it's just ticks yeah. yes it's water with ticks god they're just like really biting into him because his skin's all sweet oh yeah he's got that plump head yep <laughs> oh god mm-hmm like a target yeah kind of is that hair would catch at least 500 of them <laughs> yeah, the, the, the hair from fucking the wraith oh my god wait is clint now like uh that fucking leech guy from resident evil zero i mean he could be honestly he they, he does get turned into a zombie at one point no i know but like they form clint howard and then they like break apart into like little you know into little individual ticks you just see clint howard and he and he falls apart into all these ticks and it's like he's in that uh fisherman's uh you know raincoat he's like gosh hailish is coming to get you and just all these ticks fucking come out of him 
every time they devour him, a new version of him is just like re- it's like layers. Like, oh man! That, well, he, okay, so it's kind of like he he's kind of a shapeshifter, but it's whatever the ticks take the form of, whatever particular Clint, right? They're his Ben Ten uh, armless wrist lit in this case. Exactly. So it's not necessarily the Ben Ten changer, but it's just like the ticks creating a different outer skin of Clint Howard. I'm just imagining the end of Terminator Two when like the T1000 is like turning into all the other things he's turned into. <laughs> <laughs> just like malfunctioning ice cream cone with fucking ticks coming out of it yeah clint's popping out of the fucking molten metal and he's turning into different clint howards yeah <laughs> is clint howard in that new um who be halloween the new adam sandler movie um okay are we gonna talk about this right now <laughs> oh i don't know i was just wondering if he was i was at a friend's house a week or two ago and he, and he threw it on because because apparently he's a sandler fan uh, I mean, 20 minutes of it. It was like one bad fucking joke after another. How, how does anybody like this guy in 2020? Um, I don't know. He's doing, he's doing this voice where he just basically mutters and he just, he talk, kind of talk like this the entire time, but like ratcheted up by like a thousand. <laughs> I don't know. That's literally the voice, but just, just replace my voice with Adam Sandler's voice. It's just not funny to me personally anymore. Um, I haven't seen any bad reviews about it. Like, everybody's been like, this is hilarious. And I'm like, hilarious? Are you sure? <sighs> like, so much to the point where, like, am I missing something? Like, do I need to see this for myself? Yeah, I, I guess we are. I guess we are. We didn't We didn't have enough pixie dust shoved into our ears over our lifetimes. I'm just upset that, like, I guess Uncut Gems wasn't recognized enough for him to, like, right! pursue roles like that more. So now he's just falling back on the same fucking sword. Well, he does have that Netflix deal. I think he had, like, six movies, and this might be, like, the fourth or fifth one. Yeah. I mean, again, more power to the guy. Like, I, I respect his hustle, but, like, come on, man. Like... Uh, listen, at the end of the day, if you like the movie, more fucking power to you. But I thought it was a piece of shit. Yeah, but like, he's that's like a that's like a paycheck he has with Netflix anyway. Right. So why, after Uncut Gems, would he not pursue something like that again? Like that, he would like to do. You know what I mean? Because I guess, like Connor said, it maybe it didn't make enough money. Maybe he didn't feel like it was as successful as he thought it could be. So he just goes back to the old Jack and Jill well. Yeah, I think there's like he. Offhand, it said, like, if Uncut Gems doesn't win any kind of major awards, I'll just go make the worst movie possible. And here we are! Which is the words of a defeated man. Like, that that's the, the language of a man who's just like, you don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, but but why wouldn't you just make something that you're compelled, you feel compelled to make? You know what I mean? You're gonna make that shitty Netflix movie anyway, why don't you just go make the other film that you want to make after that? After you, after you get the fucking paycheck from that. And say what you want about Nick Cage's, like, movies he does in, like, you know, weird times of year. Man, he's got one out there right now that looks pretty rough speaking of <laughs> yeah but like then when he pops up in a mandy or a color of space or something like that you're like oh yeah oh you you know how to pick roles that will give you a paycheck and a let you really flex what you can do and like go off the fucking rails yeah but he also does things that he likes to do you know what i mean yeah, exactly and sandler does things that he wants to do because he wants to go on vacation with his friends and get paid for it <laughs> and not really make a good movie that's such a shitty thing whereas like nick cage is like i'll do this thing because it's you know it's a paycheck and i can have a scene where i scream at nothing in particular for 10 minutes in my underwear with a bottle of vodka right he has his friends in it like kevin james is in it tim meadows is in it all these famous people steve muscemi's in it and it, it, it just basically i think people are into it because they like that style of comedy that the occasional sandler movie the real wacky off the wall slapstick that i just doesn't do it for me anymore 
And they also like this whole concept. And I think this is the movie Sandler wanted to make, honestly, because it's a bunch of Adam Sandler references peppered throughout the film. And his girlfriend in the movie is the uh, girl from Happy Gilmore. So it's like a Sandler reunion. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. I think that's why people like it. I think it's less so about the actual content of the film. I mean, this is just my take. Maybe this is, Maybe I'm totally off the mark on this. If anybody listening to this is a Sandler fan and wants to enlighten us, send us an email at moviedumpsterpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> maybe I'm just missing something. I, I don't know. That makes sense to me, man. Like somebody going, oh, there's that thing. And then the other thing. And then the other thing from the thing. Well, there's randomly a scene where they where, where some bullies show up and they're like, O'Doyle rules. O'Doyle does rule. And I like turn to my buddy and I'm like, huh. So that, it's that kind of movie, huh? This real meta shit. All right. Okay, so side note. If I go see the Ghostbusters movie, right, the Ghostbusters Afterlife, and Rick Moranis shows up five for five minutes to say that he's, you know, Vince Clortho, the key master of Gozer, like, that's not going to turn my crank. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I'm going to be like, this is fucking dumb. But that's, that's also more in-universe than what I'm describing, because this is just, like, a random... Sa- I know, but I'm just saying, like, something like that. Right. It would, it would be more like if... It was the new Ghostbusters movie, and Dan Aykroyd's in it, and John Belushi walked up in, like, the Blues Brothers shit and, and ordered, like, four fried chickens and a Coke. <laughs> like, that would be, like, out of left field. Yes, all right. Yes, that makes more sense, yeah. But then you'd be like, oh, 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 it's a Dan Aykroyd reference. It's with the Blues Brothers. I get it. <laughs> John Landis. Ah! Yeah, it's, like, some of the, like, the more egregious, like, Star Wars things that have happened the past few years. Like, exactly. In Rogue One. Why did those idiots from the cantina show up to go like, I have the, the death sentence on 12 systems. I, I know who those people are. I don't need to clap my hands in excitement when I see them again. That story was already told in A New Hope when they cut fucking Ponda Baba's arm off. I don't need any more than that. Yeah. And I kind of want to get back, you know, to the movie, but just because just you brought up Star Wars, like Force Awakens did that exact idea way better uh, where they had, like, the uh, the table, like, of all the monster chests. I forgot the exact name of it. When they had that pop up for a second. G-Drick or some shit. I forget how you say it. Oh, Dejack. Dejack, yeah. It was funny. Like, you got the joke, and then you moved on. It wasn't, like, focused on. It was a nice little Easter egg. But what you're describing, Connor, is like, yeah, why was that shoehorned in there? Remember this? Yeah, and and the ch- the chest thing makes more sense because it's just part of the ship, and Finn's like, I don't know what the fuck does this do. Well, yeah, he hits it by accident or whatever. Right, right, right. They make a gag out of it. And they, they literally did it the exact same way they did the original. There's a nice documentary on it out there. Yeah, it's all stop motion. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, the original was Phil Tippett, and then somebody restored the Phil Tippett puppets, and then they animated them. I, f- I forget the name of the guy. But anyway, uh, let us know why why we're wrong about Adam Sandler, or if you agree, let us know too. Or just your opinion's fine. I mean, I'm probably going to watch it and be like, no, this still sucks, but hey. Yeah, or, uh, or said nothing, because I don't feel like I would be wrong about Adam Sandler, so... <laughs> Try your best. <laughs> That's totally fair, too. So our next question comes from Serge Mario, and he says, All right, this is a bit of a long-winded post ahead. At some point, you had to adopt one of these little shits, whether it be Jody, Jamie, Dougie, etc. And now it's bring your kid to work day. The pressure's on. Oh, God. Every little shit you didn't adopt got adopted by your coworkers, and they <laughs> won't miss the opportunity to rub the glory of their little psychopath in your face. It's my favorite one so far. For added fun, there's an obligatory underground, quote, little shit, end quote, fighting league. Who do you adopt? Oh. And he just adds an addendum at the end. He goes, quote, the nasty, 
end quote, kid from Demonic Toys counts too. Oh. He has an unfair advantage because he's a grown-ass man in a little kid body. <laughs> As we find out. Yeah, he's a demon who uh, is old enough to, like, you know, contextualize the, the passing of time. <laughs> I was yeeted over my that guy's shoulder 66 years ago, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 66 years ago, blah, 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 let me sip my fucking wine. Remember when I was in that fucking construction site? Well, here we are. Okay, okay, let me dissect this real quick. So, okay, I think this all hinges upon the Fight Club, right? Like <laughs> A little bit, right? I want my adopted kid to win that Fight Club, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you make a good point. Because I got money on him. I, I wouldn't adopt Jamie because Jamie's got one fucking move, and that's to push you into a fucking hole. <laughs> and since there's no holes in this fighting club, like, he's useless. Is that a special move? He fucking calls the fucking tra logs, and they come in and rip your shit up? It's like a reverse Undertaker. Yeah. You know, Undertaker would come through the ring, as the ring opens, and people get thrown <laughs> into it. I mean, he wouldn't call them. He would just, I don't know, he would somehow, I don't know, he would steal your football. He would, you know, ride your bike into the woods or something. Oh, he'd steal your money. Yeah, out of your purse. He would st- he'd take your wallet and go throw it in the pit, and you're like, <laughs> idiot you're like oh what the hell's down there and then just get pushed in like a dummy definitely not dougie oh god no i think dougie's the worst oh i'll tell you why i'll, I'll pick dougie actually oh okay go for it dougie's annoying as shit however dougie doesn't kill anybody ever he has he has his friend do it satan man <laughs> dougie comes pre-packaged with a serial killer that's what i'm saying so in that fight club they're fucked you're going to have this guy walking around just stabbing him to death in about five seconds. He would have won. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and, and the whole time, Dougie's going, I'm so real. You're not saying, man. You really killed those other boys. Dad, this is just pretend, right? Yes, Dougie. So our underground MDU Children's Fight Club WrestleMania would be uh, Dougie versus Jody because each of them come with a serial killer in their fucking corner. So, like... <laughs> After those two go down, like, the ref bump and everything like that, and, like, the two fucking, you know, slasher villains come up and start just, you know. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, Joe, Joe, you're right. He probably, you know, Satan Man would probably be tying my fucking entrails to the dining room table. <laughs> we all know how that went. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it sounded good on paper, but I like what Connor's putting down with this uh, Uncle Sam versus Satan Man conflict. Yeah, but, like, that's the thing. Like, do they come with their respective killers and or creatures you know what i mean absolutely so it's a fucking it's a tag team match oh, well okay so jamie comes with the trollologs then yeah that's a good point and that's multiple they're dangerous okay so then the kid from okay the kid form from demonic toys comes with the demonic toys yeah that's a good point so that's a separate match that's your that's your undercard that's like your survivor series tag team match it's jamie and his fucking <laughs> his fucking ewoks and then you've got <laughs> you've got the what the they came from demonic toys and demonic toys an elimination tag match <laughs> the best is Tyler with the fucking uh, Charles Lee Ray with Chucky running around. Oh, there you go. He's just trying to steal any soul he can get into. He doesn't care what kid he gets in. Oh, yeah, it's Tyler and, and Chucky. Yeah. Hmm. And then you got to bring, uh, I forget her damn name, but the little girl from the Hugga Bunch. She brings in Huggins and Hugga. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. She comes in. Something very mystifying's going on here as Huggins rips off like a kid's head. <laughs> Um, I don't know which one of them I would, like, okay, so that that's our fun, like, f- fight club tag match wrestling, Wrestlemania or whatever, but, like, who, which one of these kids would you adopt for, like, real? Like, let's say they don't come with any of the killers or whatever. Tyler, easily. He's the most, uh, Tyler is the one that is not that annoying. He He's annoying because no one pays attention to him, and his parents dumped him off there. Oh, actually, I think they did die, to be fair, <laughs> but... 
he's the least offensive, in my opinion. I think Tyler, too, because he's the only one who's not, like, psychologically broken. Right! He's just a thundering dumbass. Yeah, he's just a dumbass. Right! I, I'd be a little worried about that, but, you know, give give the kid a, some schooling and he, he'll be okay. The rest of these kids are kind of uh, touch emotionally. I'd rather him be clumsy, like, street stupid than, like, psychotic. Oh, yeah. Keep your eye on him. Give him a helmet. Be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jody, maybe. I mean, Jody in the MDU, hell no. But like, if you just look at Jody from the movie, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, know, I feel like Jody would stab me in my sleep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, then again, even look at Munchie, like the kid in Munchie. Uh, I know he had parents, but, uh, or, or, or a mom at least. Well, yeah. But we found out what happened to him in Munchie 3, so that doesn't really work out either. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, no, no, I don't want that. Yeah, that's a bad omen. Blowing up fucking DMVs in high schools and shit. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Tyler. If we're ignoring the uh, fight club, but the fight club, I think I'm gonna have to go with Dougie. Just, just have to deal with his bullshit as long as I get Satan Man on my team. Yeah, I agree with Tyler just because he comes with the least amount of, like, baggage, even without, like, being shackled to a fucking, you know, either a serial killer or some kind of monster. Or, like, oogling their sisters, you know what I mean? Those are the only other ones we got in the MDU. Yeah, and provided nobody drops a Chucky doll on my front porch, he's fine. Yeah. You gotta package <laughs> and and you know he comes with a you know friend baked in justin whalen i could finally ask him how he got into that dungeons and dragons game ask him how snails is doing did he did, did they save him from the underdark what the hell happened there at the end <laughs> he's there like just looking like pissed off like little name tag stickers is like hello my name is justin whalen he's got to put the whole name in there so people know who he is you you uh you being paid to be here yeah I, i'm still i'm still sore about my friend snails i don't know where he went everywhere he goes i have to go <laughs> <laughs> so, so you say you went like into a map or something? Like that wasn't just for a movie, right? You said you really went into a map. I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Why don't, why don't you go back in the map? Maybe you could. Fu- no, no, no. <laughs> I never could. It's like the Sarah Connor tape where he's like, "Okay, let me go over this. Let's go over this again." Y- you got sucked into a map. <laughs> And your friend was killed by a ma- magician, D- Damodar, you said? These are your words here. And you and your license says Jimmy Olsen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it was fucking drag- uh, Dungeons and Dragons. He, the guy had snakes for earwigs? <laughs> yeah, right, Connor. Jeremy Irons was there? What are you talking about? He was screaming. He's gonna kill us all. It's just lots of screaming. Just going off this train of thought, I'm just thinking now, like... You know, let's say that was how it really was. You know, he went into this fucking map, and I go in there, or somebody goes in there, and Snails, it's like just Marlon Wayne's, but he's like how he how he looks now, and he's like been in the map just doing shit all over Faerun. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm a hero now. I'm like a level 20. Like, <laughs> you should have came back. I found all this gold. I've been grinding out these dungeons for 20 fucking years. Yeah, Waylon's with you. He just pulls a pistol out and ends it right there. <laughs> all right, we, we got a revivify spell around here. Yeah, bring him back. Bring him back. Rumpelstiltskin kicks the fucking door down and like the penitentiary that he's in, like being filmed in. <laughs> just wastes everybody with the fucking sunglasses <laughs> and like grabs Justin Whalen. He was at that penitentiary at the time. He just happened to be there. He grabs fucking Justin Whalen's lane. He's like, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> He's got those sunglasses on. I'm picturing it. He smells a lot like a baby named Justin. Welcome back to the MDU, Dumpster Dwellers. <laughs> I don't think we ever left, but there's a reminder. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for that question, Serge. And uh, to round us out, always uh, reliable, Mr. Dustin Elkins. Ah, uh, yes. He asks... Who do you think would win in a fight? We're getting these fight questions this week. Everybody's feeling punchy. Lots of fight questions. Michael Myers or Santa Goldberg? Um, 
Santa Goldberg. I'm going with the shape. Um. He shot him six times. <laughs> he speared him six times. <laughs> what is this WrestleMania? <laughs> Throw him in that hellhole six times. <laughs> he shot him with a, a flaming nutcracker six times. I gave him six jackhammers. Imagine Santa Goldberg facing off against Michael Myers in a fucking curling match. <laughs> The idea of Michael Myers on ice skates is enough for me alone. Like, I just want to see that guy glide. I feel like he would just step on the ice and start floating. Oh, he's just he's just totally still and just, like, gliding across the ice, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he needs... I don't even think he needs skates. I think he just steps on and starts sliding towards you and the John Carpenter music kicks up. <laughs> what is he, Gumby? <laughs> yeah! He's got one leg up. doo doo. He's just sliding towards you, just, like, standing there, like... Um, I'm gonna have to say Santa Goldberg, too. I think he would whoop his ass. Yeah, like, the thing is, Myers has always seemed scary to me, but he's never come across as, like, drastically physically imposing. That's why every time someone brought up the idea of Jason versus Michael Myers, I'm like, what are you fucking out of your mind? Jason would break him in half. Now, here's here's my question, though, uh, and Dustin doesn't say this specifically, but I was thinking about this a lot the other day because I rewatched the original Halloween. Are we talking, like... John Carpenter's Halloween Michael Myers, are we talking about Michael Myers from all the sequels? Because I feel like, in my head, that's a very different character, if that makes any sense. Um, Thorne Michael Myers is not the same as, like, mm. H1 and 2 Michael Myers. Yeah. I, yeah, 2, I think, even... I, I gotta revisit 2, because I haven't watched it in a minute. But even that movie, I feel like, you know, Carpenter had to, like, pad shit out to make the story work. Whereas the first one, he is just this guy that you hear all this heavy breathing in a mask and nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, but he's just a guy. Right. I, I love that, though. Yeah, two stretches his physical abilities to, like, the point where it's, it's still believable. You're like, okay, he's something special just because he's, like, he's some kind of freak. He's that kind of crazy, I guess. Yeah, and then the sequels are like, now nah, he's just magical. No, he's he's cult. There's a cult or whatever. And then you lost me. No thanks. Yeah, what is that, five or six? Cult of Michael Myers or some shit? Well, six, it, it's revealed, like, with the cult and shit, but four and five even do some kind of bullshit with that, like, p the, the essence of evil or what have you, and that's why he comes back. I, I need to just, like, torture myself and just watch those all just to know, because I feel like I checked out after four, and then I just never went back to them. Well, four and five were shot back to back, so it's like, a, it's like it, literally the continuation of the story, like, four to five. I feel like four and five, I watched like on USA and was like flipping back between that and like global guts like 15 years ago and then just like I probably saw both movies and didn't realize they were two separate films oh they they totally run together in my brain I couldn't tell you what happens in which one no which one is the one when Loomis blows up is that six no, well that's also two Technically. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, if we go off the actual... Loomis sustains lots of damage over those movies. <laughs> he, he's burnt to fucking crisp in four. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not dead yet. It's, it's kind of mind-numbing, the, uh, the the timeline and retcons in the Halloween series. It's like... It's worse than any of the other slashers. Oh, yeah, by, by, by a country mile, because it's like Friday the 13th obviously has some, like, resurrection bullshit peppered in there later on. But it's just zombie Jason. It's not, it's not like, oh, it is a cult of whatever, and like yeah 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 but like like you said with halloween it's like from one to two you have those and then you have three is a separate energy all together mm -hmm. and four is like no he survived that fucking inferno in the hospital yeah well if he survived getting shot six times he could he could survive that clearly and loomis too <laughs> loomis just has a scar on his face or some shit yeah he's fine even though he was right on top of that propane tank when he shot it but then like 
thinking of Michael being part of the cult and that's why he survived, then Loomis has to be tied to the cult somehow. Or a cult. <laughs> or whatever. You know what's kind of hilarious at the end of the day, the MDU uh, version of Loomis makes more sense than the one in the actual movies. <laughs> it's true. It, like, you, don't, you can't even fight me on it because you know it is. Yeah, and so you have the dueling <laughs> continuity between like the original movies, the new movies, and then you got those two fucking, you know, the remake and the sequel, and yeah, it's a fucking mess. I mean, to be fair, at least with like, I don't like the Rob Zombie films, but at least they were a contained entity. They didn't like try to go beyond those two movies, but you're right. It's like, then you add the new one that came out last year and the sequel to the new one that got delayed. Halloween, I think, is the only movie that has three part twos. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Probably some Uwe Boll movies floating around, but yeah, generally speaking. Like Halloween 2, H2O, and then Halloween 2018, they're all sequels to the first fucking movie. Yeah, and uh, X-Men has two X-Men 3s. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess my answer is still Michael Myers, though, but I just, I just for some reason, separate those two characters. And I mean, I guess you guys, like, you just, like we just talked about, I guess you could kind of fold two into the equation, but I was just thinking about how Carpenter shot that first movie with just... Sure. Maybe I just don't remember the Halloween movie super well, and maybe that's on me, but just, like, how much he focused on that heavy breathing into a mask is just, like, laid over a lot of scenes. It's, like, even the last shot where he's going through the town. Yeah. Uh, you just hear that the whole time, and I just, I feel like that really sells that character for me, personally. Wait, his heavy breathing is the, is the winning factor between him and Goldberg fighting? I think he's saying that, like his defining character trait was more of a stalker and a a creep than a physical powerhouse like Jason is like on his first appearance. Right, right. Obviously he's more powerful I guess you could argue in, in sequels for sure. Yeah. But I just like that iteration personally. He's definitely more of a presence than he is like a, you know some kind of like physical force. Right. And I mean that's yeah that's always been the thing. He's, he's pure evil. Now if you really want to tickle my fancy you ask me who would win the fight between santa goldberg and jason Voorhees, and then i'll throw money at the fucking screen <laughs> yeah that's true but like you could do it there right yeah and it would be an awesome slugfest and i want it that'd be a slobber knocker for sure jason is a zombie at that point so you know jason's getting jackhammered into something straight up oh sure right into that hellhole but it is like a heavyweight championship match. Jason will pick up Santa Goldberg and and push him face first through 14 windows, so it'll be worth it. It's <laughs> my favorite part from Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah. And Goldberg's like, I've been through one of these before. Yeah, I got 91 stitches out of it. It was supposed to be fake. If you want to hear more about that and Goldberg, go back to, what was that, season one? Uh, Trashing Through the Snow? Santa's sleigh? Yeah, sure was. You could hear all about this fucking madness. Uh... <laughs> Santa Claus is evil and all this. He was really Satan or some shit. It's a movie. Fran Drescher gets killed in the first five minutes. She gets fingered by Corky Romano. <laughs> she does. You're right. That's a sentence that you just said. <laughs> um, you guys want to talk about the pit? Uh, yeah, let's do that. It's a stage for Mortal Kombat. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to that stage with the uh, mine shaft that, you know, you uppercut people into. We talked about it. Yeah, P-Head's pick around that corner. I can't believe we're doing a movie about a pit after joking about, like, pits in various movies being s central sources of lore for us. <laughs> Season three, man! It's all coming together. I think this is the most complete MDU season we've had thus far. And it's only going to keep going, so... Yeah. 
I, I would have to agree, as of this moment in time. We're solidifying it. It's gonna, I, I'm telling you, it's going to topla into ex- existence. All of the shit makes sense. Connor was talking about it earlier. Yeah. Quick thing. Um, This wasn't originally called The Pit. It was called Teddy, and I think it was even called Something Before That. That's a better title. Um, This film was written by Ian A. Stewart, and in that script... um. Jamie is a very young boy. So in the film, he's like 14 or something like that or 12 or whatever. In the um, in the script, he's like seven or eight, which kind of makes a little bit more sense uh, to me, especially how most of this shit kind of pans out. Yeah. Or the psychosis that he wanted to kind of illustrate, I guess, because he hates this movie. <laughs> yeah, I was reading about that. There was a lot of shit changed between when he wrote it and it got made. Yeah, it was like the the big the big thing is like it was a lot darker and it was more a psychological thriller than it was a horror movie, like a B horror movie, and that that really pissed him off. But the novelization is based off his original screenplay, so it's not one of those things where the where the book was written first. It was actually re you know it was titled Teddy, not the Pit, and it was based on. Um, Stewart's original script, and it has all of that shit intact, and has a multitude of scenes that I want to talk about later uh, when we get into it. That kind of bring his vision of this story together. Is the source material? I'm going to use this phrase because this movie is. Um, is the source material less sleazy, or is it just as a lot less sleazy? Okay, but it's. It, it, <laughs> It's because they ended up making a horror movie, right? They didn't make a psychological devil kid thing. And um, it was like, oh, yeah, put the boobs in there. I want to see the boobs because it's a horror movie. And like all the other shit that we'll get to, um, I can I, I will divulge a little bit more into the original intent for that kind of stuff. Because from Stewart's point of view, he's talking about a prepubescent kid. Right. So he's so seven and eight year old, like seven or an eight year old is just kind of fumbling around there. Not doesn't really know what sex is and that kind of shit. But once you attribute these things to like a 12 year old or a 14 year old, they know exactly kind of what they're doing. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> as we as we see in this movie. The, yeah. The, the line of childhood innocence is starting to be crossed. So right. Because then at that point, now you have an adolescent and it's like, OK, they they're they're fucking cranking their old hogs or whatever they're fucking doing you know what i mean they're young hogs or yeah (laughs) they're strapping young hogs yeah (laughs) stop don't ever say that phrase in the show ever again (laughs) you know if it happens it happens i ain't gonna fish for it though anyway the the case in point is the original intent was supposed to be the psychosis of a, a very young kid almost like a dougie woolly if you will where he was having like visions and and imaginary things uh friends or what have you and and things that weren't really there yeah Doug, dougie loving his sister is not what this kid means when he loves his babysitter right exactly whereas i mean we we made fun of it in that in that episode but like dougie's relationship with his sister is kind of like oh yeah i'm gonna marry her because she's the best you know what i mean not because i want to fuck her in any weird way right she's my sister and i love her and i don't know the difference and dougie's also he's an idiot like he's a <laughs> He's a dumb child. On top of it, sure. But that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, that was the original intent for this. But once you make them a certain age, i.e. in this film, it, it adds a whole different commentary. 
contrary to what is happening. Well, also, like, not to say specifically some of the stuff he does, but, like, his behavior in this movie is... Alarming? Progressively... It gets exponentially worse to the point where you're like, why is no one doing anything about this? Because, like, it gets bad. Yeah, there is one scene in particular that just made my fucking skin crawl, and it has nothing to do with the with the monsters in this movie. Just the 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 the, the monster of the, the the monstrousness of the kid. <laughs> yeah, but yes, yeah, so. Uh, so the big changes were that they made the kid older and, uh, and some other thing, and he added the comedy. Those were the two, the two big things. And then something else we'll talk about later. But yeah, directed by Lou Lehman, uh, Lehman. Um, this man was fired after they filmed the movie. <laughs> and then, like, the production company, like, went into the post and had all this footage and didn't know what the fuck to do with it. So they rehired him again just to oversee the editing and, like, make a cohesive film. <laughs> Yeah, because they didn't know, like, how to put it together because of however he kept his notes. Exactly, or how he shot it or what have you, yeah. Um, It's also the only film he's ever directed. Apparently, like, I don't want to say entrepreneur, but he was, like, very well versed like he was like a pianist he was super smart he was uh for lack of a better term uh, sophisticated quote-unquote like intellectually and um i don't even know what i'm really trying to say there he seemed like a super nice dude but like i'm pretty sure like he was just like yeah i'm gonna direct a movie because i just fucking feel like it kind of thing you know what i mean (laughs) well yeah it was also like you said his only movie that he ever directed yeah and then he did like a bunch of writing but that's it man and this is in 1981 and he died in like 2005 or 6, I think I read. Yeah, I th- or was it 2000? It might have been 2000, actually, yeah. 2000, yeah. Lehman, uh, Lehman and uh, Stewart like, really haven't r- done anything else besides this movie. Uh, they wrote a couple other things, or Stewart wrote a couple other things. Uh, Lehman like, composed a couple things and didn't direct anything else and like wrote something else. But like that was it. Like Very, very minimal shit. Um, even the composer... Uh, Victor Davies doesn't really have a, a, a huge body of work. And even then, it's just like stuff for TV. Nothing, no no films. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, maybe this movie is looked upon poorly. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm not even trying to rip on the movie quite yet. But like, yeah. when I looked up the IMDb trivia for this, like there was one about him and it said he did the entire soundtrack in three sessions. And I was like... Yeah, I could tell because it fucking sucks. Yeah, not I, it doesn't suck. It just doesn't really fit. It's three different soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah, okay, I'll agree with both of that. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing with that. Um, Layman was like, "Okay, Davies, you need to write me some shit because I'm gonna pitch it to this company for the movie because the movie wasn't even made yet, right?" So he pitches the music. They like the music and end up going with that music. Even like they don't have him okay. write new music. They just have him fucking do the same thing that he submitted. So I'm what I, what I gathered from that is that the samples that he sent him because he just had like parts of the script and like an idea, and then they were just like, "Yep, sounds good. That's what you're gonna fucking do." And um, yeah, and then that was kind of that. I hope that's what happened <laughs> because there's like this one scene we're gonna get to later that just like it was a tonal shift. Yeah, not only in like. The, the, the movie itself, but the music just, like, went full circus music for this entire sequence. Yeah, the, well, he, he, like, wrote some stingers, and then, like, um, I think one of the one of the scenes that was described to him, like, yeah, we open on this, like, picturesque kind of town, and it's this cute little town, and, like, that would be the shot, right? Like, like this swooping sh- shot of the city and showing things around town and things, and that's why he wrote 
the the title music which pops up a few times throughout the movie and like that was kind of like his idea and then they just kind of just stuck with it and they were like eh, that's it leave it it's good for the whole fucking thing baby right i mean i don't agree but with that mentality like if that is what happened then yeah okay the motivations and ethics uh all across the board here seem dubious like everyone like everyone distanced themselves from the project like the music seems kind of you know slapdash and very like eh, whatever it is what it is and you're gonna get what you're gonna get yeah everything was pretty much yeah and then like the fact that like lots of people just kind of either didn't make anything afterwards or you know disavow it uh it's all very strange yeah now, now i have to assume this is some kind of independent film in some capacity with that with those things in mind right well it is um and everything that i i I mean, it was made for like a million, I think, Canadian, however much that is. It it, it always was a, a, a quote-unquote like low-budget kind of production. And I think like there's not too much about the production. Kino Lorber put out a disc. Um, and there's some some interviews with uh, the writer Stewart and the and the actor who plays um, Sandy and uh, Jamie and even the composer um, Davies. But they they kind of just there's like little glitters of the production like. They seem to re- remember the production itself being a good time. Like they had a they had a fun time making the film, but like when it came to releasing it and all that kind of shit, like it was kind of a shit show. And again, like putting like again, like like Layman was fired, and then he brought back. They came back on to like assemble a movie that they could fucking sell and all that kind of shit. So <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that fucking like the behind poor management. Clearly, yeah, like the BTS was all fucked up. <laughs> I mean, you, you you gotta just think what the director was thinking when he got that call. Hey, you want me to come back? <laughs> All right, this is my, uh, here's how much I want. He must have been fucking singing and dancing after he got that call. So you've come crawling back to daddy. Basically. And like had Sean had said before, um, just like a fun fact, I guess, but like, there's some nudity shots in this film, and like, the, uh, layman wasn't allowed to direct it because his wife wouldn't let him direct scenes with nudity in. <laughs> That's the fucking funniest thing. But the one that she lets him film is of his, of his daughter, and you definitely see, like, a full frontal shot of her for, like, a half a second. Like, how is that okay? Yeah, that's even str- more strange to me. Yeah! So to, to add insult to injury, fucking the writer who has to watch his fucking script get butchered... <laughs> shoots the fucking insert scenes of all the nudity like after after everything else wraps like those are the last things that were shot were like with like sandy in the shower and shit like that right it's just ridiculous here come film all the shit that we you were diametrically opposed to putting in the movie in the first place exactly exactly well it's like uh you know jeff was you know talking about in that interview mr lieberman Mm -hmm. you know go check that out if you haven't oh yeah the satan's little helper uh companion piece um, but you know, I'll spoil just a little bit just to make my point where he was talking about working on that film when they had the whole part with the Jesus costume about, you know, people on set were like weirded out about that, but not the Satan man costume. Sure. Like the, the things people get hung up on while making a fucking, well in life in general, but while making a movie is just mind boggling to me. But like, that's such a, that's such a weird thing, right? Like, oh, you can't shoot boob somebody else's boobs for the movie. Like, but 
you're in a room with like all like the PAs and the and the cinematographer and the and the boom guy and the other act. You know what I mean? It's it's more awkward for the actor or actress at that point. Yeah, even if it's closed set, there's still like other people behind the scenes like running all the other shit, like the light, you know, lights and audio and all that kind of shit. Like, what was the big deal? You know what my girlfriend said to me when I told her about that? She was like, "Hey, maybe uh, he got caught cheating on his wife and she wasn't taking any chances." I was like, "You know what? Maybe I don't know. That kind of lines up. It's possible." Beyond that, I don't know. That's weird to me. Like, who gives a shit? It wasn't sexual at all. Who could fucking care? Yeah, it, it's not. It, yeah, even in the context of the scenes, it's gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some some of you are probably scratching your head and be like, hey, what? This, this doesn't have anything to do with Halloween. I've seen this movie before. What the fuck? <laughs> well, that's because there's only one scene that takes place on Halloween. Question mark. <laughs> a bit of a demonic toys debacle. I didn't even think about that while watching it. And yeah, it's one scene. <laughs> It's one scene. I was so distracted by the rest of the fucking nonsense. Pulled the wool over your eyes again, just like I did for demonic toys. Um, <laughs> but a little. We had that scene, to be fair. I mean, I'll give it to you. <laughs> but it, you know, I kind of skirt, skirted around that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it, that's my excuse. So this is the Halloween movie this week. There was definitely something that took place on Halloween, from what we can gather. Yes. Question mark. Yeah, but the setup for this is that nobody yeeted a bunch of monkeys into a hole. <laughs> and they were there for 66, for 66 years. years. Over the shoulder. Does somebody want to give us a quick plot crunch to this bad boy? Uh, yes. Okay. So, you ever heard that joke where someone's standing on a cliff saying, 21, 21, and someone walks up and says, why are you saying that? And the guy pushes him off a cliff and says, 22, 22. That's the plot of this movie. <laughs> um, it's about a boy who... <laughs> Floors people over to a pit and pushes them in. <laughs> Some even just walk right into it. It's about a fucked up kid named Jamie who is overly obsessed with uh, women in general. Yes. He's a fucking serial killer, man. Yeah, his parents are absent most of the film when he's in the care of this uh, babysitter, Sandy, who uh, has no situational awareness and would probably get hit by a car in broad daylight staring directly at it. Uh, I'm gonna maybe argue with you about that a little bit when we get into the episode, but continue. And uh, Jamie also has a teddy bear he talks to that talks back, and they never really get too far into that. There's also a pit full of monsters. There's a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> a pit full of monsters that eat human meat, by the way, in case you haven't picked up on that so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely not chocolate bars. Or cranberry sauce. <laughs> a, a pit full of monsters who, uh, before Jamie came along, I don't know how they made it along. <laughs> Well, there used to be five of them. I think there's some Twilight Zone shit going on here that we're going to get to at the end. I don't know if I should just drop this theory in the beginning, you know, because Joe just said there used to be five of them there, uh, that that proved to be utterly, uh, desperately wrong by the end of the film. <laughs> I was motherfucking convinced that this teddy bear was one of them, like, in disguise or some shit. Oh, you think so? I feel like that falls apart by the end of the movie, but that's what I was pretty damn convinced of until, uh, credits. And I'll explain as we get into it why that falls apart. Sure, I could see that. Well, the, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that connection because there's a few other parallels that kind of stem out as soon as we're introduced to those little buggers. Right. Uh, before we get along, I did have uh, a handful of questions or theories I had for myself after watching this movie. <laughs> uh, the first one, is Tommy Wiseau a time traveler and did he make this movie? <laughs> Uh, is this movie a malfunctioning simulation from Rick and Morty? Uh, is there Robitussin in the drinking water? Are these people pod people? And did a bot write this? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it's that thing where the chimpanzees are in the room. Oh, God. Writing the script until they come out with something, and instead of Shakespeare, you get this. What is that? If you leave a typewriter in a room with a chimpanzee, eventually he'll write Shakespeare? Or some shit like that, yeah. Or eventually he'll write Teddy. <laughs> Well, to be fair, the guy that actually wrote Teddy seems like he got hosed in this whole situation. It was the director, was the chimp in this, it, it was the Cybo Man in this, this uh, <laughs> dilemma. I would hope Cybo Man would do something a little bit more Blade Runner-esque, but you never, you don't ever know what you're gonna get from a monkey. Yeah, okay, question before we, we jump into this. Um, do you guys want to excise this opening bit and just place it chrono- uh, chronologically or do we want to just talk about it first i kind of want to talk about it because when we get to it the second time i'm gonna complain about it so. okay <laughs> <laughs> um i want to talk about it because like this scene it is a wraparound scene like you come back to it but yes this sets the tone for so much of the movie because like one his fucking voice um two the dialogue three the pit like the titular pit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it it is a. I'm conflicted about this scene because I understand why it was inserted here, just to kind of get like ideas in the audience's head immediately. The hook. But I feel like it does the movie a disservice. Honestly, I think so too. Only because of the way that that kind of arc is told, and it's even told fucked up like towards the beginning of the film. Yeah. Like. With this, with this, and then another inserted scene we're gonna we'll get to. But like, so we open up and it's a Halloween party or a Halloween birthday party. I don't know. It sounds like there's kids being assaulted with like fucking swimming pool noodles in the background. Like, what's happening in the in the fucking party? It's actually like a good depiction of like a bunch of kids just had like kind of like left to their own devices like having a halloween party where they're like eating hot dogs and shit and like fucking i don't know chewing with their mouth open or whatever i don't know it's kind of um pretty accurate i i think no i agree and of course since this obviously takes place in the mdu there's not an adult in sight supervising any of this nope not even any chaperones looking for wine refills no as usual look i I don't want the adults this movie to ever supervise anything ever (laughs) (laughs) not even that creepy lady from double double toil and trouble definitely not jamie's parents but the rest uh we'll, we'll talk about it everybody in this movie is on like it's the fucking the you know the ubiquitous lewds that we always uh talk about like <laughs> every fucking adult in this movie is either high or has some kind of like i don't know like emotive uh problem or they don't function at a high enough brain power to like i don't know not sound like these like autonomous t- uh like fucking you know Automatons or robots, uh, the adults this movie are really strange and off-putting. Would you refer to them as MD Oods? <laughs> you know, D- Daniel Baldwin shows up with her in the car, like, comes through a portal and just hands them out to the actors and actresses. I got some MD Oods. Come on, yeah, eat it. You'll, you'll love it. Didn't you read the script? 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 What, what are you talking about? You just came out of a hole in time and space. And then he pulls out a neuralizer because, of course, he'd have one. And just, you know, they've already taken the pill at that point, so it's too late for them. We've also just created our first candy, too. The MD Ludes. MD Udes. MD Udes. You know, it's MD U. You just add a few other... Le- two, two, two Udes, and we'll do you. <laughs> two Udes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Frank Gwynn's standing there. He's the judge, obviously, but he's in Herman Munster, you know, makeup, because it is the MD U. <laughs> You know that's how it would work. With Kevin McCarthy. I gotta go back to my farm next to these, uh, some Mayan burial grounds or something. (laughs) It's Kevin McCarthy dressed up like Fred Gwynn from the Munsters as the judge. Okay! 
It's Halloween. Gonna ruin my reputation. I'm still alive, even though I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> Give me a drink, motherfucker. But, uh, yeah, we're at this party, and a, uh, a lost clansman appears. <laughs> yeah! I mean, it's a ghost costume, but okay, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a terrible ghost costume. <laughs> He's got, like, something tight around his neck instead of just, like, a sheet. Yeah, he looks like, like, in Beetlejuice, and they just put the sheets on themselves, but then he just tied something around his neck, so he just looks like, um, looks like a sack boy or something. He looks very strange. He walks up to this kid. Freddie Phelps. He's like, yeah, you Freddie Phelps? And he goes, yeah, what's it to you? And we get this quick flashback to the kid getting punched in the face. <laughs> okay. This cut, this cut is so funny. <laughs> Follow me down this magical trail that's, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but all roads lead to it, to the pit. Oh, <laughs> all roads lead to the pit. He walks up to this kid just for quick. He walks up to this kid and he's like, he's like, hey, Freddy, I'm Jamie. Can I be in your club? And this kid just punches him in the fucking face. Well, right, in the flashback, yeah. There's no transition into the flashback. Like, there's no creative editing. It's just hard cut broad daylight basketball court hey can i join your club fist to the face cut back i think he goes hey freddy remember me and then it cuts <laughs> well, yeah yeah and you get the flashback what i killed your brother no that's not what he says what was the, what was the club that he couldn't get into the the fucking uh football club that's not really a club like what did what was this kid's club that he was such a piece of shit the little jamie beats me no jamie you're not allowed to the anime club you're that uncool <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to watch what was even out in the 80s. Uh, yeah, wait, Lupin the Third, Fist of the North Star. Yeah, Fist of the North Star. Yeah, Lupin. Akira. Astro Boy. I think that was out around then, maybe. Speed Racer. But no, but nobody knew it was anime at the time because they dubbed it and like changed a bunch of shit. Yeah. It's just some cartoon by Hanna-Barbera. What are you talking? A- anime? Anime? That's for nerds. What do you mean, Japan? You can't join my club, Jamie. We're watching the Super Friends in my club. I- <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> you can't. Can't join the Hanna-Barbera Super Friends Club. (laughs) (laughs) Wonder Twins Unite! (laughs) He does this all in front of him after punching him in the face. Like, that's the whole routine he has with his girlfriend. You don't appreciate Casey Kasem good enough. (laughs) Oh, no! But, yeah, he leads him to this pit. And and I joke about the distance of it, because no matter where this kid takes somebody to it, it's like a a brisk walk. Yeah. Um, You know, he gets there quickly every time. So it's got to be around the corner of this party. But, like, he has to traverse the fucking MDU fields to get there. You know, the ones that Gordy Belcher walks through and all that. <laughs> I know, yeah, I was just gonna say that Belcher runs by. Yeah. Y- you know Stephen King's in there somewhere looking at some meteor shit. Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, he's like, he's like, come on, I wanna show you something in private. Look, it's a big bag of jewels. There's <laughs> probably some robbers or something left it there. I couldn't take it all myself. Gotta be a million bucks worth of shit. Freddie Phelps is a fucking idiot, okay? <laughs> he sure is. He's a dumb 12-year-old. A boy in a ghost costume with, like, this, like, wannabe transatlantic gangster voice from 1940 um, (laughs) tells you he's taking you into the woods to find a bag of jewels, and you go, okay, that sounds legit. Same kid I punched in the face for asking to join my anime club. There's nothing fishy about this at all. He must have just turned over the other cheek. If you let me in and and don't hit me anymore, I'll let you have him. What do you say? And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. What a deal. Oh, my God. So, of course, this kid bends over to pick up this pillow fucking case of treats, his trick or trash bag. (laughs) And uh, Jamie just, mind you, this guy's girlfriend or side piece, whatever you want. They're 12, so I guess it's his girlfriend, but you know they're just doing Eskimo kisses. Oh, if... Yeah. Is watching this happen, she's scared out of her mind, 
and Jamie just pushes him in the pit, and we get, uh, we don't, we don't hear the kid scream or anything, that's gonna be a theme throughout, but he gets eaten alive as the, as the logo hits us. He gets pit TM'd, he sure does. <laughs> he gets- yeah, he does! <laughs> and, and, and we'll have to wait uh, probably about 45 minutes uh, runtime <laughs> to find out what happens to the girl in the tutu. And that's some of the darkest shit in the movie. Oh, yeah, man. I, I was I was extra nervous during that scene, put it that way. Also, he didn't scream because he's unconscious because he hit the card table that Kumdar and Corpsefucker are playing at. <laughs> He sure did. Okay, so that's where you were going with that. I, I, you know, the thought crossed my mind. I was like, all right, the cards, they're playing cards down there. Sure, of course, obviously. Yeah, but you know that's that all of these tunnels in this pit connect to... Well, what did I just say? Exactly. All, 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 all roads in Rome. All roads lead to the pit. Yeah, all roads lead to the pit. They're down there with the fucking Van Damme clan, dude, playing poker. Yeah, yeah, they're down there playing it with the, uh, what are these things called? Trollologs? Trollologs, troglodytes, trolls. I'm sorry, every time he said trollologs, all I can think of is the fucking, that old video from Internet's past. Trollolog, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could totally see that, though. There's just, like, a tunnel dug by Norm that's, like, just, like, right off to the left where Jamie never really looked. Oh, yeah, he's down there, too. And they just go down there, pee heads down there on a, on a hammock hanging out. Mm-hmm. All these stupid people keep flying down there and just, like, disrupting everything. <laughs> Onto the card table. That's where they have to die. Well, you know... That's why Kumdar's got all those portals set up. You know, we don't know if they're there already, or he snaps his fingers, cum flies everywhere, and they go in. Uh, <laughs> oh my you, goodness. Because I feel like with that, again, I my my personal imagination of what this guy looks like, Kumdar, is just Goldar, white skin, cum dripping off him constantly, and no matter what he does, there's cum coming off his hands. Oh, yeah. Uh, and whatnot. So when he snaps his finger, you know cum's dripping all over the place. They come through that other side of the portal like fucking poltergeist covered in fucking cum, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, covered like uh, right at the end of Ghostbusters 2, him and uh, Janos. Yeah, covered like fucking coach. I love you. <laughs> it's positively charged gum. It's negatively charged, honestly. <laughs> He'd probably say, I hate you. This, this is the most <laughs> I've ever heard two people talk about cum before. I think Kevin McCarthy in the uh, Midnight Hour got thrown through one of those portals. Oh my goodness, yeah. It's tearing us apart! And then, you know, he continued to be shitty in UHF, so, you know, he's got that rolled down, Pat. This is true. Um, so we cut to the, uh, comedically whimsical music and a bus. Yeah, yeah. Off to school, I guess. Mar question mark. I, I don't even know what that is like what are we like i don't even know why the scene is here it's just like here's a bus driving through the field and then um well it might as well kind of go like because <laughs> <laughs> then like isn't isn't uh what's his face writing on the chalkboard like right after this he sure is <laughs> well you, you know why this makes no sense because this was the actual beginning of the movie before they got into editing <laughs> and the director's like oh yeah you know that halloween scene we gotta like repeat that in the beginning because people won't get it otherwise well it, we, we can't just like let them in on the fact that this kid's a little creep at first he's gotta fucking murder somebody with, with the pit because it's the pit tm you, you get it sure what was this guy's name lou okay lou <laughs> you're not wrong but maybe you could have like 
took the film that you fucking butchered this guy's script and made your own and just let it like stand on its own instead of trying to like force people to understand what you're trying to say. The, the other thing is that like he introduces the movie with a scene including the pit to get the premise across. The problem is that premise then disappears for like 30 minutes. Oh, it sure does. Well, well keep in mind too, a, a key point here, you know, exactly what you just said, Connor. We don't come back to this for 20 minutes, but we even when he pushes that bully and we get the close up on these troglodytes eating this kid and you get the close-up on the face that kind of looks like a teddy bear i'm just gonna say it yeah yeah i mean he definitely has those luminescent eyes for sure <laughs> I, I know you said luminescent but for like a half a second i thought you said those luminous ass eyes <laughs> those sad baggy old tired eyes <laughs> I got Donald Pleasance on the mind. Oh my goodness. So Jamie's writing on this chalkboard a million times, uh, I will not bring adult books to school. <laughs> um, and his teacher is like, you keep, he's like, uh, what is he? He's like, hey, Mrs. Whatever. She's like, shut up. Keep fucking writing. And she's looking at this book, but it's like not a porn. It's like, you know, nude, like high art nude photography. It's even creepier. Yeah. It's like a nude photography book, like black and white photography. In anybody else's hands, it's like, I don't know, it's it's like a, our photography book with, like, nude models, but... Exactly. Yeah, in the hands of Jamie, you're like, what are you fucking doing with this? And why did you cut one of the pictures out? <laughs> it's it's hog-cranking material. Yeah, she fucking flips to this page, and there's a whole body cut out, and she's like, did you do this? And he's like, oh, no, I, I didn't do it. It was like that when I found it. And she's like, okay, I believe you. I'm like, what? Well, she says that, but she's not stupid. She knows he cut that shit out. It gets even creepier. I mean, he's writing on the board, I will not bring adult porn magazines into class. Like, she's, she knows. I guess. So so she's like, okay, Jamie, rub it off and go home. And he's like, wait, what? On the book? In front of you? <laughs> no, no, she doesn't say that. Well, he wants that book back, man. I'm glad you and I vote with a, a lowbrow masturbation joke in your head. <laughs> she fucking says rub it off and go home. Yeah, she's like, all right, rub it off and go home. Not erase the board. <laughs> that line is probably a great introduction to the weird wooden robotic adults in this movie who all talk in these, like, long drunken, like, overdramatic sentences every time one of them has to speak. I think you mean masterful writing techniques is what I think you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I hung on to every word someone said because I was forced against my will. I want to know how much is Stuart and how much is Layman of the dialogue. Like, do you think Lou is just, like, scratching shit out? He's like, no, 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 he's not going to say that. He's going to say this. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah, that's a good point. So so Jamie leaves, and we, we cut to the library, and this teacher is is returning the book that she took from Jamie. And she goes to the librarian, and she's like, hey, hey, Maj, or whatever. Um, so one of my students had this fucking book. Um, I think you've heard of him. His name's Jamie uh, Benjamin. And, uh... Yeah, I'm sure he didn't check this out, so you can just put it back on the shelf. Oh, and by the way, he there's a picture cut out of it, so maybe you could just cut out the whole page or something. She's like, okay, no problem. Well, you know, her reaction is like, she's like, uh, he cut out one of the pages, and the librarian, like, looks off in the distance, gets really sad for a second, and goes like, we'll just remove the whole page. Yeah, we'll just take the whole page out. Well, there might be a reason for that, because... She takes it into the back room, and you could see Jamie... She, like, grabs her purse, 
and takes the book and like walks into the back room, closes the fucking door and locks it. I'm like, what is this woman doing? And you see Jamie like on the scaffolding through the window, like watching her, like waiting in an anticipation. And she takes this fucking paper out of her purse, flips to the page and then opens the paper. And you see it's the cutout of the body with this uh, Mrs. Li- Miss Livingston's fucking head taped on it. And it just says Miss Livingston at the bottom. And Jamie's like, oh, yeah, she got my note. <laughs> Jamie is so convinced that she's going to be ecstatic about this. Yeah, I want to fuck a 12-year-old. I can't wait to call him. <laughs> she she rips it in half, and he's like, oh, man, I'm never going to get laid now. And then the scene just kind of ends by some, like, old, like, groundskeeper, like, hey, kid, what are you doing up there? That's not safe. Get down. <laughs> All right. I'm the only sensible adult in this movie. Get off that scaffolding before I put my foot up your ass. It's my one scene. I'm making it work as well as I can. I got fired two hours later. <laughs> they said I could come back later as the butcher, but they didn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> so she tears up this fucking Riddler-ass note, and he, he gets down from there. <laughs> yeah, it does have kind of like the uh, mystery note effect to it, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does, yeah. So it cuts to, to mom, his mom, and his and his... And she's like interviewing the new babysitter, Sandra O'Reilly. And she's like, she's like, yeah, so Jamie's fine. Uh, You won't have any problems except uh, communicating with him and that he's a fucking raving maniac. And then dad walks in and is like, oh, are we talking about our insane son? Yeah, can't connect with him. He's nuts. I don't know what it is. Has no friends. One more thing. He might have like a creepy crush on you because he's going through that, you know, that difficult phase in his life where you send uh, people uh, disgusting, uh, uh, explicit uh, letters and you're cranking your hog to, to murdering people and talking to your teddy bear and shit. We're, we're not going to mention to you that several other people have been hired for this job and left after their first time. We're just going to leave that detail out and uh, you'll have to figure it out like a detective as you scour the town <laughs> for information. Is this with a dad? Dad starts talking about Jamie as if he's, like, a forensics profiler talking about, like, a fucking serial killer because he's like, one day I caught him in the backyard wearing nothing but a Superman cape playing Tarzan or something. Yeah! He was naked hanging from a fucking tree. And that old woman, I guess it's implied, the one that's in the wheelchair that he takes care of later. <laughs> yeah. Um, that she saw him. And, and, like, called the police about it. So I wonder, she's, like, blind in the movie. I wonder if she just, like went blind because of that or uh she just you know heard him out there and was like this kid i can hear him being naked (laughs) so uh this is all by the way this is all intercut with like scenes of him getting like quote-unquote like bullied by this little girl who's like you can't touch my bike you fucking loony go fuck yourself this fucking character i kind of agree with abigail here though well Sure. This fucking character says the weirdest shit the whole movie. Yeah. She's like, hi, Jamie. You're a silly person, right? You're a silly person, dumb silly person. I'm like, what are you doing? Would you just leave this kid alone? I think one of my favorite things is like, she has no, the little girl Abigail has no idea about the relationship between Miss Livingston and this little kid. <laughs> no! And it gets more fucked up as the movie goes on. Abigail is Miss Livingston's niece. She visits her? She lives there? I'm a little unclear on that. I think she... She exercises with her, question mark. I, I think she must live with her, but it's never explicitly said. Yeah, and then we get introduced to the old lady, and she's like, get out of my get out of my way, you little shit. <laughs> oh, you're that Benjamin boy, huh? A little, that fucking weirdo. You're gonna grow 
grow up to be a murderer. Get out of the way. Uh, she's blind, but she knows what she's talking about. I can smell the pervert on you. <laughs> <laughs> I can smell that semen on your pants, you sick fuck. Ugh, Jesus. It's just GVD doing, like, covert, you know, research and stuff like that. Ah, you, you have potential, young boy. <laughs> I can smell it on you, you little goofy. <laughs> You're dirty. I think I need to wash you a bunch of times, just like your mama does. Oh, God. I just... <laughs> yeah, that's skin crawling. So we cut to dinner. So after this whole interview, there's like, again, there's like cuts between uh, Jamie getting bullied between all these people who were setting up his uh, tormentors, sort of, or whatever. And, it, and he has a terrarium that he is, I guess, feeding his frogs. You know, I'm assuming he took those flies from Gordy Belcher. I was just going to say, that's where he gets them from, right from <laughs> Gordy down the street. Yeah, he went down the street when his mom threw all the fucking fly circuses out, and he just, like, raided uh, Gordy's garbage cans. Oh, man, he got a whole fucking trash bag full. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even came glued to a fucking stool and everything. <laughs> One was on a cross. It, it was more. It was harder to take it off than actually catch, uh, you know, fresh ones. But this kid, he, uh, he's he's meticulous. Oh yeah. So we cut to like this scene where I guess I. So the babysitter Sandy gets the job, and they're all sitting down at dinner. Mom, Dad, Sandy, and and Jamie. Jamie. I, Jamie, please. I don't know if this was intentional, but like he's holding up his drinking glass like to his eyes, and like everything around him is distorted. <sighs> this is weird. And I was like, oh, that's a really clever. Like I don't if this was intentional it was like a really clever kind of uh visual storytelling thing like how he perceives his world around him i think it was you know because that leads right into him like watching what his parents are doing and like zooming in on them fucking you know piling food into their gullets and he's like aha perfect opportunity to be a creep yep whoops (laughs) taking a tip from the oops robot yeah oh yeah big time drops his napkin Hits the floor like a million miles an hour and just like looks right at Sandy's uh, crotch area. And dad, dad knows immediately what this little snot rag is doing. Yeah, he's like, boy. He fucking pulls him right from under that table. He's like, I'll have none of that, mister. I was, you know, these these parents are supposedly going on a vacation and I'm going to just spoil the boy briefly. No, by all means, spoil that piece of shit movie. Yeah. Oh, I like that movie actually, but ah. in that movie, the main character, I forget the actress, but she was in The Walk. Walking Dead. She, uh, the parents are like, all right, yeah, you gotta watch your boy. Here's all the instructions, and you know, they leave. Well, come to find out that they just go to the ocean and put rocks in their pockets and walk into the ocean and just kill themselves because they can't deal with it anymore. And, uh, you know, the movie goes into why they can't deal with it anymore. I'm not going to spoil that for what it's worth. But uh, I'm surprised these guys didn't do that and just leave this poor woman uh, to her own devices. Because they're gone for, like, a solid week, it feels like, at least. They need a fucking vacation from this kid, man. (laughs) Every weekend they need a vacation. Every weekend. (laughs) Yeah, Sean, I will say in defense of that movie, I think the final act is fucking bonkers and awesome. (laughs) Yes. So you have seen it, at least? The ending is completely off the fucking wall. I know the twist. The, the boy is one of those, like, POS movies, but, like, there's enough about it that I'm like, yeah, this is probably, like, two or three stars, but I like it. Sure. <laughs> I, I, might, I might not revisit it, but I had a good time. Yeah, and then when, like, the reveal happens, you're like, I can't believe you were hiding this fucking insanity the whole time. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to quite spoil it. I know we're talking around it a little bit. It's not that old of a movie, and we spoil shit all the time, but if you haven't seen it, at least check it out. I like the twist. Even if, like, what Connor just said, I kind of agree. Also not the first movie to do it. No, but it works. I felt, I mean, again, I saw it in theaters when it came out. I haven't seen it since, but, uh... 
I liked the twist. I, I enjoyed it. And without getting too much into it, the sequel has a, a similar place twist that is even more a fucking off the rails than the first one. I, I don't think you needed a sequel to The Boy, I'll say that much. Uh, So then, it, and then again, right after that, it awkwardly cuts... You notice how there's a lot of awkward cuts in this? Oh, yeah. Like, almost like they didn't know what they were making. The director didn't know. The people working on the edit didn't know. Nobody knew. So this is where, you know, mom and dad leave. Yep, they wave. They say, thank Christ, we get away from this little fucking bastard. We're leaving the movie for an hour. It's your problem now, fucker. Bye, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, Jamie. And then we get our first glimpse, kind of like, I mean... Into, into like the way his brain kind of works because he's talking to Sandy and they're like in the in the kitchen she's like making dinner or some shit and it starts off you know innocent enough he's like he's like hey want to want to know something really cool that happened at school she's like okay if you want to tell me and he's like yeah so I got I, st- I stayed after school and had to write um oh no um uh i had to write uh i won't what does he say i will not crack my knuckles in class yeah for a kid that's already this far off the deep end i was a little impressed that he realized that saying what he actually got in trouble for was maybe not like a good icebreaker no but that's what makes him terrifying is that he's aware of all of these things and concocts these uh yeah falsities you know what i mean yeah especially later where i'm like oh my fucking god yeah that's why i said his pattern of behavior gets exponentially more uncomfortable because oh yeah he starts off with small deceits and then just like goes into full-on stalker territory oh yep mm-hmm. hardcore i mean he's already stalking the librarian he just switches over to his new vice the uh, babysitter so he becomes obsessed with her again but she like drops a knife and he's like i'll get it and you think he's gonna like pick it up and i don't know, do something weird with it but he gets all pissed off because like she wouldn't let him do it, like, something nice for her or whatever. He's, she's like, relax, I fucking got it. You know, I'm a, I'm a woman, and women can do shit for themselves, you little shit. I can bend down at the waist. Yeah. <laughs> because he's already, at that point, when she drops the knife, he goes, I'll do it, and she just picks it up, and he, like, takes that as a slight, like, he's the type of person that is, like, a major control freak, and he's nuts on top of it. Yeah. So it's like, I said I would do it! Yeah. <laughs> I held the door for you, and you didn't say thank you! I'll push you into a hole. What? What? But there's also, like, a line where he goes like almost immediately like the second he meets this woman and is alone with her in a room like you got a boyfriend yeah she's like uh well i wouldn't call him a boyfriend and he's like so you're telling me there's a chance oh okay and he runs the teddy runs down the hallway like the pitter patter on the floor teddy she might be the one i think we should talk about teddy for a second because it's a part of the movie that they come back to a lot and yet like i don't feel like it ever really has a proper resolution, especially because, like, at some point, there's legitimately fucking goofy paranormal shit that happens with this fucking teddy bear. Sure. Um, it also communicates with him in his voice. Yeah, but it's like, it has, like, some kind of, like, flange effect on it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a reverb or something. This is one of those things where this is still intact from the original script, and because certain parts were excised, which we'll get to at the end of this, um, it... It just kind of doesn't make any sense. It's just like, okay, he's crazy, and he talks to a fucking bear that may be alive or not. Like, that part is very Pinocchio's revenge, which yeah. is the part I'm kind of into. There's actually a lot of parallels with this, or, like, the way that it was supposed to be, rather. Right, exactly, exactly. Because there's even some stuff when we get to it I want to comment on that, that kind of burns that whole... 
idea away in my mind. Yeah. But 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 a lot of it makes me think of that film, obviously, which came after this, ma- many years after this. Yeah, I was like, Sean, actually, the boy comparison lines up especially with Teddy because, like, they do try to plant this idea, like, maybe it's not just a fucking teddy bear. <laughs> uh, well, uh, on the base level, sure, right. Yeah, yeah. So the Teddy, so he's like, Teddy, she's different. She's not like the others. And Teddy's like... Yeah, you know what? I think she's just what we've been waiting for, isn't she? And he's like, you know what? I think so. Thanks, Teddy Ruxpin. Thanks, Teddy. And then we immediately cut to, like, the next day and little Abigail's, you know, working out with her aunt. She's like, yeah, what's the deal with that Jamie kid? Is he crazy or what? And God bless uh, Aunt Margaret. Yeah. She's like, well, uh, like, she basically thinks he is nuts, like, but she doesn't want to be a bitch. She's like, nah, you know, you got to be nice to people. Like, you got to just, he's distressing. Yeah, she's like, he's not normal. And Abigail's like, distressing. Yeah, all men are distressing. That's a great word, Aunt Aunt Margaret. And that's pretty much the scene. It's just kind of expanding on this whole idea that. That's it. Abigail and Jamie, they never got along, and uh, she thinks he's a fucking creep, and justifiably so, to be honest. Yeah, but even though even though Miss Livingston, or Margaret, rather, the librarian, knows he's it's him and he's a fucking creep, she still tells Abigail, like, not to be mean to him because he's, like, fucked up. You know what I mean? Well, and she's also probably, like, the nicest person, <laughs> you know, in the movie. She also represents a kind of a larger problem with really adults this movie, is that Everyone's very hands-off with this very fucked-up kid. And everyone's like, oh, just be nice to him and, you know, it'll be fine. Sure. Or she's scared of him and doesn't know what the fuck he'll do. You know what I mean? That's, I think that's more so it. And it's also, like, you gotta think about it from the perspective of, like, I get what you're saying, Connor, where people just are ignorant to this kid or let him do what he's gonna do and then are shocked at the consequences. You know, whether they find out or not, we're gonna talk about that. But I, I just think about it from the angle of, it's like, if this was, you know, if this was you... You know, put yourself in their shoes for a second, and it's like, what, are you going to go to somebody's parents and say your kid's fucking crazy? Like, that's not something people typically do. I mean, maybe in 2020 they will. Like, people are a little ballsy these days, but in 81, I feel like that's a thing that just wouldn't happen in this small-town environment. My my thing is, like, it's kind of established that Jamie is really problematic, and then you, you know, you get to see how he exhibits his behavior with a different individual, but I feel like the people around him mm. would be very well aware of his antics, and at this point, should not be so like, oh, just be nice and it'll go away. Blah, 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 blah. Like, no, get, like, get, like, like, commit the fucking kid. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying for sure. I, I totally get that. Well, I'm going to counter that with the fact that, like, in 81, I think people are more inclined to, to smack somebody else's kid. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> if that woman got those letters and knew it was the kid, she'd be like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? Like, you do this shit again, I'm gonna fucking smack the fuck out of you. You give him a backhand with a ring finger. Yeah. I don't see her going, oh, yeah, well, that's not creepy at all, and I'll just ignore it. And they also, like, the way this character is painted in the movie is a very, uh... Uh, conservative is the wrong word because I don't I wouldn't go that far with her, but she's definitely more like a private person, especially like a scene that happens later kind of leans into that heavily, a really disturbing scene. Prim and proper, I guess. So I think it's more so just she doesn't want to rock the boat in the neighborhood. Like she's disturbed by this kid, but what can she really do? She's just the fucking librarian. I mean that's that's my takeaway. I could be giving her a little bit too much, you know, benefit of the doubt here. Well, also mom and dad have done nothing and this is going on this has been going on for a long time it seems this is a satan's little helper problem again uh well cunt yes yeah, sort of satan's little helper though those people were like mom's like 
clueless and these people are probably not clueless and they just like stare across the dinner table like fucking monster <laughs> yeah definitely dad and then mom is on a whole nother level of shit at when we get to it so it like cuts back to the house and like sandy's tucking in jamie and she like leaves and he's like he's like hey teddy you awake what do i do now and teddy's like she's gonna take all her clothes off and go into the bathroom just wait and he's like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds good, sure. And then, like, he asks for, like, a drink of water, and she comes in, and there's this weird scene where, like, you could see the silhouette of her breasts, like, through her um, nightgown. And he's like, yeah, f- uh, I got so, uh, uh, he's, like, trying to keep her in the room so he can check her out. It's fucking creepy, dude. Yeah, I hate it. So then, like, he hears her talking on the phone to, like, her boyfriend or whatever, and, like, she's gonna go to, like, a football game or whatever, and it confirms to Jamie that, like, She's like going steady with this guy because he's like, fuck, man, I knew it. Now what are we going to now? What am I going to do? So uh, he decides he's going to like tell her about the fucking the the trollologs in the pit. And then that comes back into the movie. (laughs) So then he's like, yeah, I'll do it after we have breakfast. And like he goes into her room and he's like watching her sleep. Oh, I hated this scene. I hated this moment. And her boob is like out and he's just like checking her out the whole time and she's like what the fuck you doing and he's like what i was just watching you sleep i if i had pearls i'd have clutched them i I, I was like i was like what the fuck man horrifying yeah so he's like he's like oh yeah by the way um i got a secret to tell you i'm gonna tell you after breakfast okay i'm gonna go cook a breakfast now do you know any 12 year olds that can cook like a full meal like well uh no i didn't i didn't think so he mentions the fact that like he's like "Ah, anybody can cook you know, I, I just learned by, like, watching, and he's like, oh, and Sandy's like, oh, like, from your mom? And he's like, nah, well, yeah, from my mom, but also all the other people that came before you, and she's like, um, there's other, uh, how many others? What do you, what? And he's like, yeah, most of them are good cooks. Uh, none of them come back. Uh, by the way, want to know my secret? I have a corpse pit. I mean, I know a <laughs> hole with some cave people in it. <laughs> there's monsters in a hole somewhere. You want to see it? Or what? And it's so, like, he's like, he talks about it almost like, endearingly he's like there's a giant hole and down in the dock they aren't people that's for sure there's something i read about them in a book they're like trolls or something or tra logs they're chuds they're ch- <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole civilization of gnomes and they live by this lumen thing oh my god it is like norms dis- you know how- okay so you know how in um uh fucking 13th warrior they're like oh my god there are these cave people who you know never left the cave system they're so super devolved whatever are these like norms fucking troglodytes oh my god you think so <laughs> they didn't evolve yeah they just they're stuck in this fucking ditch like, <laughs> they're blocked off from the rest of the civilization they haven't they haven't evolved enough to dig tunnels they had a fucking war with the with the gnomes right and they like they thought they killed them all <laughs> norms the 13th warrior of this fucking civilization <laughs> 13th gnome warrior <laughs> his people sealed them off in like these little fucking uh oubliettes and then like a sinkhole comes and opens them up and they expose they're exposed to the world now then get out i want to see his troop of uh 12 other warriors like i just want to see like these like fucking stocky nor- gnomes who are like spit <laughs> i love the idea <laughs> of like a sigvaldson gnome with like long ass blonde hair and a beard with it, with the same booming Swiss voice, like oh, we must take out these troglodytes. But he talked like he talked like Norm. You know what I mean? I'm Beowulf, but not really. I'm not Beowulf, but I'm Normawolf. I'm I'm gonna die sitting completely straight. <laughs> you die now, slug slime. And then I'll reawaken in Skyrim as the High King of Skyrim or something. Nice bobos. 
So he's like, so he's like, yes. So, so I, and nobody knows about him except me, and they're always down there. I think one of them died, maybe. But guess what? You're the only other person that knows about him. Bye. And he just fucking like leaves. How how does he know one died? Like, take my teddy bear idea out of the equation. Like, did he shoot one with a bow and arrow when it got injured, and they just ate it? And they were like, he was like, huh. I think one died. <laughs> well, that one went, I don't know what. Maybe he went to fucking, maybe he went to that port town and started fucking around with the with the Van Dams, dude. Possibly. The one evolved and joined the Gnome Society, and so he just left. <laughs> the sleeper agent? So he's like, all right, see ya. And he, like, goes to the hole. And again, like, he traverses the fucking fields of the MDU, and he's like, he looks in this giant pit, and he's like, he's like, when he hits that speed force at 88 miles per hour, you see some serious shit. Oh, yeah, man. He's yelling down to him. He's like, hey, it's me. I'm back. It's Jamie. I'm your friend. And these fucking things wake up, and they work a lot better like this than when we see them later. Oh, yeah. But I think they're pretty neat. They are comical when they are shot in broad daylight, stepping over giant logs. Like It's like, <laughs> oh, that's a little person in a costume. They're straight up MST3K at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like levels of bad when we get to, to that portion. But all of the scenes in the pit are like nice and dark and you just see glimpses of them and they have these like crazy like glowing eyes. Dude, they look like giant critters. Yeah, like if Razorback fucked a critter, that's what these things look like. <laughs> yeah, because like they just, it's just gnashing teeth and weird eyes when they're, you know, lit properly. But when you like put them in like, like you said, stark daylight and you see their whole body, you're like, that is some silly shit. No, oh, yeah. Because you're right, like the face is creepy as fuck, especially like later on when you get a little bit better view of it but the couple times you see it in the beginning you really just see those eyes in the shadow and you even get that uh troglodyte vision you mean the american world from paris vision exactly that's why <laughs> better than that for sure we're not we're not confused about if something's uh a heat signature or not we're just seeing a, a, a yellow film over the camera yeah, yeah this is this is less wall-eyed uh than the werewolves in uh paris i don't know how those things ever fucking got around <laughs> these is just like amber glass yeah and these things look like i guess like short stumpy yetis if i had to like pick something like yeah, yeah. they come out of a crate they attack a woman named uh, <laughs> billy Adrian Barbeau, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's definitely their cousin, dude, yeah. He's related in some some fashion. I mean, we never saw what happened when he got out of the box at the end of that uh, segment in Creepshow. He could still be running around fucking things. Maybe he fucked a Razorback, I don't know. It's, hey, it's possible. Yeah, could, he could have started a clan down there, man. Possibly. They even learned how to swim. You know, if Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> can swim, why not uh, one of these things? And he was And he was a statue at the time. Believe it or not. So they go to this football game with, like, her boyfriend. She's like, oh, my God, isn't this great? Football's great. James is like, oh, my God, fucking kill me. Or kill you. Something. I want something to die. <laughs> yeah, at the football game, and he looks bored out of his fucking mind. And she's jumping out of her chair. She's wearing, like, her Sunday's best for this, like, high school football game. Or I guess it's more like college. It's college ball. And, like, her boyfriend's playing, so she's, like, super into it or whatever. And he's all pissed off because he's like, oh, man. Like, you're gonna be my girlfriend or whatever well also like earlier when she said well he's my boyfriend but not really i think it's like she was in that stage with the guy where it's like she's not sure exactly yet but now it's like uh jamie i think uh i think she's got his number not yours pal sure he made a touchdown we're going steady <laughs> i mean they do the, the, the next scene they go to the uh they pull out of the stadium and he's like yeah coach wanted to see me huh sorry i made you wait and they have this con he's got this convert this Allen character 
and he takes them home, and Jamie immediately is that pissed-off kid that didn't get his way, and he's charging up the porch steps. Oh, God, I hate him. He turns around, and they're just, like, fucking <laughs> making out, like, deep, deep tongue. This part is fucking hilarious, because he turns around, and he's, like, totally shocked. And he, like, scurries up the porch and hides behind, like, a column. <laughs> and he's watching, and he looks so disgusted when they start making out when once the top comes over. You know, they, they learn that one from Phil and Sandy. You know, Sandy learned from Sandy from the Midnight Hour. <laughs> you know, it's back-to-back Sandys we got going on here. I don't know how we planned that one. There you go. This is weird, too, because, like, Jamie, like, runs upstairs and slams his door and she comes inside uh sandy comes inside goes upstairs hears him crying yeah and then she knocks on the door and says jamie but you hear teddy's voice yes and teddy's voice is like go away like you know that like it's all modulated and shit and that and then it's one of those things where it's like well was that the fucking bear or was that jamie i mean is this where it uh does the thing too or is that later uh not yet because we have to go to the we have to go to the fucking library sandy talks to miss livingston and she's like hey um do you have any books about how to you know make a child who's crazy not crazy anymore basically she just hands her a gun she's like here you go like <laughs> like child psychology books i guess or whatever and um she's like oh him oh oh you're you're babysitting that kid let me tell you something he's a little fucking pervert all right <laughs> this is the work that uh, Cr- uh crank fassel should have been doing like talking to people in town <laughs> instead of just like going door to door hoping to run into terry o'quinn like she's doing like honest detective work yeah, instead of going like what like like just grabbing magazines <laughs> yeah. where are your out-of-date magazines what why what do you <laughs> i mean a bit of a wider net he was trying to cast to be fair but goddamn was that man ineffective she so she's like come here off camera i'm gonna tell you about this little fucking pervert and then we cut to um we cut to abigail again like fixing her bike now previously jamie was like hey can i try your bike and she's like fuck you you weirdo never in a million years so this kid walks by and keeps getting lulled into like a false sense of companionship because she's like hey jamie look i'm sorry about what i said and you know you can ride my bike and he's like are you sure you're not fun of me or whatever right and she's like no of course here you go and he's like all right sweet he hops on this fucking bike and it falls apart into a fucking million pieces. Abigail's got balls of steel. Like she's like, "Fuck you, little pervert!" Like <laughs> she Lucy's from Charlie Brown's ass. Oh yeah. And then Aunt Margaret comes out and is like, "Wow, what the hell!" And and this little girl Abigail cannot stop laughing for the life of her. She thinks it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, and she details her entire she details her entire scheme from she's like she's like I called him over and I said get on the bike, but I didn't put the bike together, and he said I. And he fell. <laughs> I'm going to get myself into even more shit, Aunt Margaret. Let me tell you. Aunt Margaret doesn't even care. She's like, yeah, whatever. Don't do that. She's like, get out of here, Jamie. She's like, I know it's Jamie. Who cares? I wouldn't piss him to put out the flames, but stop doing this. Jamie, just leave. But she's being a bitch. Well, she lives here, so you you, you should just leave. Ah, everyone's picking on me. It's like, uh. Get off my lawn. I'm not scared of her potential criminal activity. Get out of here, Jamie. <laughs> 
I mean, I mean, yeah, Abigail definitely played you. Uh, that was a little mean, I agree. But, like, why are you taking it out on poor Miss Livingston? She actually was on your side. Question mark? Because he's nuts, I guess? I don't think she knows that it's even him. She knows somebody's, like, stalking her, but she doesn't know it's the kid. I think she has a pretty damn good idea after that book gets returned. Uh, not necessarily because of what happens later. But, so it cuts back to Jamie's house and, and Sandy's, like, cleaning up his room and his stuff or whatever. Cleaning up his fucking cum-filled socks. And she, like, pulls out a fucking, um... <laughs> I'm just thinking about Sandy all day, all night, baby! Can I... Oh, he says some fucked up shit later. Rubbing it raw. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. He's... So So she so she pulls out a, a nudie mag from between his mattress. A black and white nudie mag! It's not even a porno mag, dude, right? It's, like, just another one of those... It's, like, the free giveaway at the fucking uh, blockbuster for the back room that they don't want the kids to see. It's a woods porno. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> It's like a black and white, like, photography magazine. Well, no, it says right on the cover, girls, girls, girls. It's like Beetlejuice is in there somewhere. <laughs> you say it three times and a fucking teddy bear appears and you go on a murder spree? Yeah, exactly. No, Duran Duran shows up to sing Girls on Film. <laughs> girls on Film. Yeah, but this is where, like, the most confusing scene in the movie happens because she kind of cleans up his room, she finds a mag, and then I believe she leaves and then looks the teddy bear and it cuts back. Or it moves back, and the fucking teddy bear's head moves. And then it's like, okay, well, what are we trying to do here? Is it in the kid's head, or is this fucking teddy bear possessed by something? And this, like, for me, the movie shattered at this point. I'm like, you don't know what this fuck this movie's about. Like, you have four different, you know, four different threads going on here, and you don't know how to tie any of them up. Exactly. I think that's a big, that that's... That's a problem. Yeah, because, like, the, the, so you have to pit, and, like, that seems to be operating in its own little environment, like... Within the confines of the movie, you have his weird obsession with women and girls and how unhealthy it is and, like, all the, you know, the weird, you know, kid shit um, and him being a problem child. And then you have the fucking teddy bear. And it's like, is this all going to meet up at some point? No? Okay, I don't know. I'm not sure what you're doing or who this is for then. Well, I mean, I think if that original script is to be looked at in any way, you know, you think about how Stewart had the whole thing with the teddy bear possibly being in his head only and... Whatever the rest of that was, you know, Joe's going to drop the tidbits as, as as we're going through this. But, you know, then the director's like, no, uh, the troglodytes are real, and uh, we're just going to shoehorn these two ideas together and uh, go. And you get varying degrees of success, uh, you know, obviously still subjective even in that respect. But this whole teddy bear scene of it turning its head... <sighs> I mean, nobody sees it happen but the audience, so, like, can you really read that deeply into it? Yes, you can, because we're the ones that need to make the coherence of the story. <laughs> right, obviously that happens in ton of movies. I shouldn't I shouldn't belittle it too much. Uh, you know, Charles Lee Ray being the, uh, the, the one that immediately comes to mind, Chucky. Nobody else sees it except us. Yeah. So, that, yeah, so then we know that something, you know, completely unnatural is happening aside from the, you know, weird monsters in a hole. But now we know something that's, you know, paranormal or supernatural was afoot, because unless this is revealed as some kind of mechanical trickery or prank, like, all we have to go on is like, okay, cool, ghost teddy bear. Is this like a demon influencing Jamie? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I was going through the whole film. You know, granted, I didn't realize the size of these creatures until the end of it. Um, I thought they were much smaller, honestly, until that last act, uh, possibly being in the teddy bear. But... Uh, this, just like Connor was just talking about, it starts to shatter that, uh, idea in my mind a little bit, but, uh, uh, where am I going with this? I guess my point is, you know, if that was just in there for the audience, okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Again, 
Child's Play's done it. Uh, Poltergeist did it. A ton of, you know, you could name probably 50 films if we wanted to sit here and do that. Yeah, but those things are actually sentient. Well, right. But my, I, I guess I'm making a long-winded point to get to my, uh, my whole complaint here. But if that was followed up on, if this thing started moving around and doing shit by the end of the movie... Or uh, characters beyond Jamie uh, recognized that this thing was doing that, then then game on. Let's play ball. No, absolutely. But it, it literally is just in there to fuck with the audience. It, do, it has no impact on the rest of the film. And that kind of pisses me off. And it never does it again is the other thing, too. No! Yeah, that's the other crime. It's that it's never touched on, referenced, or mentioned, or you know, visually confirmed. It's like Lou was just like, hey... What if? You know what would be creepy? <laughs> hey, 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 sit here. Listen to this idea. We just turn the head. It, it, you would just stick someone behind the bed. They move it with their arm. That's the scene. <laughs> what do you think? Should we do it? What, what do you mean it doesn't make any sense with the rest of the movie? Ah, no, no one will think about it. it nah, you it's know, fine. It's just a creepy bear turning the head. That's it. Wait till we get into editing. It'll make sense. No. Well, when I woke up this morning, I was the director of the movie, so I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. I feel like that happened a lot during this. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, this, as we'll con, you know, convey throughout the rest of this episode, that goes nowhere, and it just is a bit of a head-scratcher as the film continues. Yeah, and it kind of like, like, like you said, it, it does break things going forward, because you're like, you're you're left lingering like, what the fuck does that mean, and what does it, you know, what does that have to do with the rest of the film? And then the rest of the film is just, like, it's three different foot races, all to this really out-of-place fucking sequence. Right, like, like I, I would kind of be into the idea that this was, like, some hug-a-bunch, like, like Joe said, demon-possessed doll or some bullshit. But no. But the fucking bear pushed people in the hole. That's what I thought I was getting into, to be honest. Yeah. But no, we, we, we don't get that closure. However, uh, the, the movie does continue. It sure does. So we get, um... This next scene is, like, Jamie painting, like, some models. He's, like, sniffing the fucking paint and getting high. And, uh, <laughs> the whole time Sandy's trying to talk to him about a serious subject, he is just painting this fucking train model. Yeah, well, it seems like nobody has had this conversation with him, I guess, because she's like, hey, um, aren't you, like, lonely or something? Does she have any friends? He's like, uh, no, I got friends. I got Teddy and my terrarium uh, of stuff and the trowel logs. And she's like, um, okay, so that's fake. And fantasy, and the other thing isn't actual people. So she's like, "Look at this Encyclopedia Britannica. You see this shit?" She goes, "What does that say?" He's like, "Troglodyte." She's like, "Yeah, cave dweller. It's an anthrop anthropomorphic ape." Okay, and he's like, "Yeah, well, what about it?" And she's like, "It's bullshit. Like, it's all fake. It's fairy tales. These things don't exist." He's like, "Yeah." When I told my mom about it, she said it was a myth. But you know, myths aren't real. But I've seen them. They're not myths. It's not a cave, though. It's a hole. And it's not a fairy tale. Jamie, I don't know what the 13th Warrior is. You can't see talk, keep talking about a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> they come down from the fucking mountain with the fire. I've seen them. They're called the Vendingo. And he basically kind of closes out this conversation by saying, Well, like I said, if you come down to the pit and see him, you'll believe me. And, you know, this is like maybe the second or third time he said this. And she's just like... I'm kind of good, like, <laughs> I don't trust this kid. <laughs> I, I'm good never going anywhere with you by myself ever again. <laughs> hey, Sandy, you want to wash my back for me? <laughs> yeah, she's like, ah, a little old for that. And he's like, ah, come on. She's like, there's going to be suds. You can't see my wiener. She's like, all right, okay. He's like, She's like, as long as you uh, stay in the suds, fine. 
<laughs> and she's scrubbing his back, and she's trying to, like, be nice about it because, you know, she's creeped out by this kid, but he hasn't gone full creepo yet. And this is, like, a really disturbing part for me, uh, more so than what's actually occurring in the scene, but something he says. But again, it starts off innocently. Yeah, I actually think this has no place in the movie, too, because it paints a weird picture we also never go back to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just it just adds another layer to his fucking insanity, and it's like okay, or his obsession rather, which makes sense. But yeah, but he's talking when he talking about his mom bathing him. He's like, yeah, no, yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's like, mom bathes me all the time, even when I'm not dirty, and I don't know why. And I'm like, yeah. I'll be trying to imply that Jamie is the way he is. Yeah, do you know why my mom washes me so much? Yeah, because his mom has been molesting him, and I'm like, this movie doesn't need to wear this fucking hat at all. What is it even doing? The, uh, yeah, that, I, I don't know. You know, we, we uh, mentioned Uncle Sam briefly in the beginning as a part of a listener question, but uh, remember that movie? Like, that kind of brought that movie down a lot for, I think, all of us, the... Uh, the Oh, sure. That aspect of it where there's this, like, weird uh, home tension with Uncle Sam abused his wife and his sister growing up. Oh, yeah, that's, like, a whole other layer, and it's like, fuck. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I respect movies to a point that do this because it is real life, but sure. much like Uncle Sam, this feels super unnecessary. And to Connor's point, I'm sitting there waiting for this mother to come back into the movie so I can kind of reevaluate her character, and it doesn't really go anywhere. She does, but, like, not in any real way. Right. Yeah, and it kind of paints her as, like, a new villain. Like, you have a new antagonist because now, like, the, the reason for all this, like, madness could be traced back to one person uh, hurting someone else. And it, well, at least... At least in part, yeah. You never get any of it. I mean, we all saw Sleepaway Camp. We know how that ended with the way how Angela was treated. Holy fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, my beautiful little girl. Uh, yeah, she says, like, he says some shit, like, is she really trying to make me clean? He's asking this woman these questions while she's washing his back. She's like, is she really trying to make me clean? I don't, I don't always think I'm dirty. Do you like washing me, by the way? Right. And there's just this awkward fucking pause, and they're looking at each other, and it's just like, Jesus. Hey, uh, do you think the tra logs like chocolate or what? Well, he also drops this line in the middle of, like, exposing his mother for being a, an abuser. He also was like, hey, what if, like, two people that were young, like, loved each other? And she's like, yeah. do you, do you mean me? He's like, yeah. She's like, ah, you, you know, that's really beautiful, but I'm, like, twice your age, and uh, you're just going to forget about me when I leave, so, you know, that's nice, but uh, I'm good. And he's like, ah, but come on, but what if? Like, is there a chance? Could I have a chance? It's innocent enough, because he's like, well, I'll be older someday, and then we can be together, whatever. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, let me know, or whatever. And this is one of those parts where it's like, okay. I know about sex. I know the white thing comes out of the end, of the tip of my penis when I tug on it. I know how it works. I'm an adult. I do the white pee. I do the white pee. It's this kid who is supposed to be seven or eight. It's not supposed to be a fucking... Well, in the original script, sure. No, but I'm saying, like, th this whole conversation changes when this kid... Oh, yeah. ...becomes seven or eight rather than 12 or 14. Right. He also says something where it's like, it implies that his understanding of the world is that he's going to get older and Sandy is going to stay the same age. Yeah. And that all he has to do is, you know, grow up. Sure. Whatever that means. Which is, yeah, which is something like... Maybe a seven-year-old would say who has no concept of, like, time and age and how that works. Correct. But I think this... But this is also coming from a 12-year-old 
who exhibits very manipulative, deceitful, intelligent behavior for the rest of the film. Exactly. <laughs> well, but I also want to say the way this film kind of portrays this character overall, and, and I think the teacher even says it in one scene where she goes jogging with Sandy during one of her detective routines. It's right here. She's like, oh, yeah, you know what? He's a brilliant student if he could only focus, but he's like all in his own head all the time. And even Dad had said that earlier in the film. Yeah, that kid, he's always in his head with his imagination. He just lives in there. Oh, my God. He says some shit like, oh, he, we live in his world, but we're like on the periphery. I mean, that's not too far from the truth because like... No, I know. It's just like, it's just creepy. It, it, yeah, especially coming from your father. But I think it's that whole thing like... Yeah, exactly. He, he, he is very smart for his age, but he has the mentality at the same time of a six-year-old, if that makes any sense. Like, he is smart enough to understand that he's 12 and this is how this, that, and the other thing works. But he's got a childlike uh, persona, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Or, or perception, rather, because, like... Right. It's hard to put into words because it's so uh, flip-floppy throughout the film. He's got a high IQ, but she, like, makes a comment that, like, he's, like, the worst student and everybody hates him and he really likes to draw and he can't spell. But, like, he's functioning at a level that lets him concoct all these fucking weird um, situations and, like, uh, plots, uh, especially um, the one we're going to get to in a little bit because it's really fucked up, man. Like, what he does and how he, like, how he puts that all together, it's just, like, Jesus Christ, for a 12-year-old? I mean, I'm telling you right now, if this was made in 2004, he'd have those Satan little helper fucking, you know, drawing pictures on his wall, too. Oh, without a doubt. Hey, Satan man, we have this hole in the woods you could just push people in and they get eaten alive. It's the perfect murder. You'll never get caught. Just shakes his head vigorously. Satan man's just, like, staring into the hole like, oh, my God, this is the best moment of my life. <laughs> Gives him a huge thumbs up. Terry O'Quinn just starts crying happiness. <laughs> Tears of joy. So, uh, so Jamie uh, goes back to the library and like checks out books. <laughs> checks out in, in quotation marks. Yeah, he just like takes them, and Livingston sees him take the books, and she like goes over to the person who like checks them out or whatever, and she's like, "What books did he grab?" And she's like, "Oh, uh, books on animal husbandry and art books or whatever." I guess he wants to be a, a veterinarian or something. He's twelve and he doesn't know what a carnivore is yet. I I don't know. Maybe I know nothing about kids. Maybe that's a thing they wouldn't know. But I I feel like they should. <laughs> what do dogs eat? Do they eat meat? Okay. Huh. Okay. That's all starting to come together now. Let me just uh, head down to Mr. Butcher. He won't think anything of this. Oh, my God. This kid fucking slaps a 20 on the goddamn table, and he's like, how much meat does this get me? First of all, where's he getting all this wad of cash from? Does he just keep stealing it from Sandy? Like, <laughs> Yeah, he steals, like, uh... I think the first time he might have just, uh, you know, checked all the couch cushions and everything and, and got what he could get. Smashed his piggy bank? Yeah, the second time he goes back, there's that whole scene where he... A hundred percent steals it out of her purse. Oh well, yeah. But this this uh this butcher is just like, hey, Jamie, where's your mom and dad? Ah, uh, they're home. <laughs> I thought they went on a trip. What are you talking about? They went on a beach vacation. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, they just said I need the most meat for this kind of money. He's like, ah, uh, so like ground beef or like uh this thing? And he's like. I'll take a mix. And it's like two things that you would never put together. Ah, those are things an adult clearly told you. Well, it's for five people, you know. Even though one's dead, (laughs) I might have a little. I haven't decided yet. I I haven't. Hannibal Lecter says it's good, but I'm not quite sure yet. (laughs) You got fava beans here, too? Can I have a side of that? (laughs) A nice Chianti, possibly. (laughs) 
So he goes to the fucking pit TM and he fucking throws all this meat down there and these things go nuts. And he's like, ah, so that's what you eat, not chocolate bars. Because previously he throws like a fucking bag of like king size Hershey's down there and they don't eat it. Yeah, they take a shit on that. They don't want that stuff. <laughs> no. And he, and then, yeah, the, then it all clicks in his head. He didn't even have to have Teddy tell him. We're lactose intolerant. <laughs> They're all backed up. They're constipated. After he learns that little nugget, he rushes home to uh, sneak into the bathroom where Sandy's taking a shower. Which I guess was shot by Stuart, Ian Stewart. Because <laughs> she's nude. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's 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 fine. It's it's done tactfully. It's not uh, just one of those times where it's like, boobies! It's like, no, It's it, she's in the shower and it's creepy and it's shot to look creepy. Yeah, it's not overly, like, I can, you know, it's not um, it, super uh, 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 gratuitous, per se. No, and I, I honestly don't think there is in this film at all anything along those lines. Yeah. The nudity is the least of my concerns of this scene, because this is where he walks in and oh, yeah. fucking writes the mirror. He writes, I love you, um, and then, you know, scurries away, and, like, the whole time, I'm just, like, scratching my skin off of the fucking Brillo pad. I'm like, I hate this. I hate all of it. Well, he writes it on there with, like, a lipstick or a red marker or some shit. Bleh. He's, like, coloring or some shit. The funniest part, uh, well, funny may be the wrong word here, but the, you know, the, the sickest part, let's say, he runs to his room all proud of himself and is, like, waiting there, like, for her reaction with his eyes wide, and she just lets out a guttural scream. And she fucking pounds down the hallway. She's just got her uh, towel wrapped around her. And she's like, did you go in there and draw this? And he's like, now he's like shook. He didn't expect this reaction at all. He's like, uh, uh, yeah, 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 of course. Who else? Also, this kid has been creeping on you the whole time. Why didn't you lock that fucking door? Yeah. I mean, maybe there was no lock. Maybe she just uh, didn't think anything of it because she's not used to living there. I don't know. You, you, you bring up a good point. You know what he was expecting? He was expecting her to stare at the mirror and go, Oh, what the, what the hell? What the, <laughs> what the, what the hell? What? <laughs> or he was half expecting her to write, Who am I here in the mirror? I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> And then just call Medea for help the whole time. Oh my god, she's, yeah, Bam's there. I honestly don't know why, other than maybe she she felt like it was the unresponsible thing to do. Like, why the fuck she doesn't just leave this creepy kid in his home alone? Like, I guess she really needs the money and she doesn't want to leave a 12-year-old by himself. I would have fucking called the parents after, you know, if, if I waited till this scene with the shower, if, if I made it this fucking far with this kid, that would have been it. I would have been calling mom and dad and saying, hey, I'm sorry. I gotta fucking leave. She calls her boyfriend. Hey, can you come over and talk to him? Yeah, and she's like, she's like, oh, can you talk to him? But uh, this is so weird because, like, so after she gets out of the shower and does that and fucking yells at him, she's like walking out of the room and he's like, hey, Sandy. She's like, what? And she's like, when you leave, can you leave me a, a, a photograph of yourself? Yeah. She's like, are you fucking serious? He's lucky she didn't pull out a fucking gun and just shoot him right then and there and just call it a day. I'll go to jail over this kid. Fuck it. The pay from these parents must be like exuberant and something you can't turn down as like a babysitter because yeah like Sean said like life changing really none of this behavior is okay and this should have been the straw that breaks the camel's back like oh sure and I think she does say at some point that like I can't just leave a 12 year old it's like yeah you'd say that if this was a different 12 year old if this were a 12 year old who is exhibiting any kind of normal behavior but this guy is a this kid is a sociopath I, I mean keep in mind I don't know if we talked about this at all but 
She's also like going to school to learn how to work with troubled children. So I wonder if part of it is her trying to see if she's up for the task and just kind of just pushing through the bullshit with this kid. I think she even mentions in the beginning of the film that like she her speciality is like looking after troubled children like she does it on purpose because of that like you said i wonder how much of it was that and just the fact of the matter is at the end of the day it's a 12 year old she doesn't know he has a pit down the street that he could just get to in a moment's notice and have these things eat people she has no idea any of that's true she's just like this little fucking pervert like when i'm done with this job i'm never seeing him again i'm sure that's her thought process Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and how can you focus on, like, all the extracurricular bullshit when you're too concerned with how he behaves in the household? Like, right. do, do you care if his 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 troglodytes are real or imaginary or not? Like, he's stalking you in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> he sure is. And then we get this scene where she's outside watering the plants, and he... He constantly is carrying Teddy around in this, like, white ShopRite bag or, like, a bag you get from, like, the, the mall or some shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he sneaks into her room, steals a $20 bill, knocks some shit over, and you're, like, half expecting her to hear him, but she doesn't, and then he just skedaddles and runs out the house (laughs) to buy more meat. And this is when the butcher questions him. You just bought enough meat to feed a small army. What do you mean you're back? I left it on the bus. Oh, you're putting it in the freezer. So he's just at the butcher, and and he's like, like, "What what do you need all this shit for? Aren't your mom and dad away? And he's like, what is this, for the freezer? And he's like, yeah, the freezer. I don't know. I'm going to give it to the babysitter. She'll, she'll, she'll figure it out. And then he runs out, and then some kid you know, kid chases him about a toothbrush. I don't know. <laughs> Army men, macaroni and cheese, something like that. Then he runs into Abigail and uh, Miss Livingston, but when he leaves the meat uh, butcher before he goes and feeds them, and uh, Abigail's like, oh, there's that nasty boy again. Abigail criticizes him again, and Miss Livingston's kind of just like, all right, Abigail, like, I get what you're putting down, but maybe lighten it up a little. Basically, you know, let's say Teddy and Jamie, but really Jamie concocts this whole plan that might be the very most disturbing part of this whole film for me. Uh, minus the murder, maybe, but this is right up there. I hate this. This is gross, manipulative, and, uh, awful and invasive, and again, like, what is it doing in this movie? I don't, I don't know, but, like, he's sitting next to this pit, and he's like, ah, well, that's the end of that, and he's like, okay, Teddy, now what? And he's like, I think it's Miss Livingston's workout night, what do you say? And he's like, yeah, 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 let's do it. Right. This fucking kid. This poor woman! Yeah. She, he pre-records himself on, like, a fucking tape recorder and calls... But it's really Teddy! Is it? It's the Teddy voice, but again, is this all in this kid's fucking head? I don't know, man. He, he like, has this pre-recorded thing, and it's, like, uh, going through the phone, and Miss Livingston's, like, talking on the phone to this pre-recording, and it's telling her that, like, oh, you know, we got, we got your, 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 your niece Abigail kidnapped, and you gotta do exactly what we say or something bad's gonna happen. We're gonna kill her. Yeah, and this, meanwhile, the recording's going, and then he fucking runs over to her house and, like, sees her through the window, and he's like, and he's like, okay, Miss Livingston, I want to see you. You know what I'm talking about. I want to see your body. I could I, I could see you and, and the kids out there with the fucking Polaroid camera. Man, it's the gro- one of the grossest things in this fucking film. And you could see it. Like, not that anybody wants to do this. Don't get me wrong here. But the way that this character has been uh, portrayed throughout the film. Again, I, I don't think the word conservative is exactly the right word. But you, you kind of get what I mean if you've seen the movie. She's prim and proper. Yeah. No, yeah. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. 
put it. I think the word you're looking for is reserved. Yeah. Reserved, yes, yes. Um, and she's just, like, she starts taking, like, the sleeves off because it's, like, a unitard. And she's kind of holding it, and she doesn't want to do it at first. And then she's like, God damn you! And she just drops the, uh, the top. And uh, he takes two pictures. And uh, right as that happens, Abigail comes in. Aunt Margaret! <laughs> what are you doing? She is like, oh, my God, I've been played. And she is so furious. Yeah, she says, I could kill you. Um... When she eventually, like, you know, exposes herself, like, the quick edit makes it even creepier because, like, it's like the movie knows itself. Like, even the movie knows, like, this should not be happening. Yeah. We cut back to the fucking bedroom. Yeah. And he's on the bed with these two Polaroids. He's like, oh, my God, did you see the look on her face? We scared the shit out of her, huh? And Teddy's like, I'm going to look at these a lot, Jamie. A lot. Yeah. Okay. Burn the movie down. (laughs) Teddy has to be, again... The movie doesn't end up taking it in this direction, but I feel like this teddy bear's got to exist somewhere in the MDU in this in this particular <laughs> fashion. I don't know if it's like full on like the teddy bear from uh, Demonic Toys where its mouth moves and everything in the MDU. You know, is is this thing in, in a dark kingdom that it overrules and with with, with an iron fist with with a fluffy fist, if you will. He he is the last surviving member of the Naughty Bear race after John Hurt came over and destroyed their reality. Yes. <laughs> well, you know who else is a part of it? it it's the it's the bear from Demonic Toys, uh, Ur- Ursa Minor from the Tales from the Dark Side. That that fucking teddy bear's in here. Bartholomew Cuma's there from One Piece. He's he just kind of has like a bear aesthetic. He doesn't even really. He isn't actually a bear, but he's hanging out. And of course, Teddy from Dolls, man, that turns into a giant fucking monster bear. Yes, and uh, Grizzly's in there somewhere. It, it's a literal grizzly, but it's it's around. They're like the Vulcan in uh, the Kepler timeline. Their planet's been destroyed, and they're just scattered across the universe. <laughs> And it's all her its fault, of course. I just picture some, like, Castlevania-ass castle run by these uh, teddy bears and bear-adjacent characters. Smokey's in there somewhere, part vampire, probably. I picture it more like, um, Kaiish? What, what the fuck's the Wookiee planet? Kashik. Kashik, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, maybe. You have the tree houses and shit? Yeah, yeah, they got the tree houses. It's, it's more, like, natural. It's not like, you know, well, I guess stones are natural. It's a utopia, and then John Hurt rolls up in his fucking car. He's like, hello, I'm here to fuck this society <laughs> Not existence. That's uh, you know, you know, definitely it's uh, related to Ted from the Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh yeah, he's there in some some way. It's it's either a distant cousin or maybe a half brother. Uh, they got they got the same kind of attitude. I feel like yeah, he's a, he's also a refugee from Planet Naughty Bear. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he yeah, just like Howard from Duck World, man. <laughs> Except <laughs> that unfortunately he was plucked from his planet and dimension from John Hurt. <laughs> well, this is true. Plot twist: uh, John Hurt blew up Duck World too. Uh, he did. He shot it with the fucking Buchanan. You know, only Howard escaped he saw the duck boobies he was like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) Ah, i love it i'm gonna take a picture of it two polaroids i still can't believe that was a pg movie i'm gonna look at these a lot baby make copies of these (laughs) teddy locks the door and uh, jamie does what he does with his uh, socks (laughs) he makes puppets it's almost time the secret code is troglodyte Send us a direct message on your favorite social media app for a chance to win this week's Trigger Trash giveaway. Again, the secret code is TROGLODYTE. And remember kids, the clock is ticking. Don't miss it. So then we have the whole thing where like, 
uh sandy like questions jamie about hey hey i you i can trust you right uh so if if something that of yours went missing you could you'd ask me and she he's like well yeah and she's like okay well did you steal fucking money from me you little shit he's like uh no and he like runs away chase me into the gazebo dude he acts like such a baby he runs away like nothing's gonna happen i picked you some flowers from the thing i was hiding behind how do you not want to just beat the shit out of this kid at this point he's a fucking asshole Especially it's the flowers thing, because, like, you at, you accuse him of stealing, he runs away. You accuse him of stealing again and give him more leeway and more rope to hang you with, um, and then he runs away again. And then he's like, here, I picked you some flowers. Like, no, motherfucker, you stole those, too. Those were potted in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pathological liar, this fucking kid. You little shit. <laughs> this is when, you know, Sandy calls Alan again and is like, hey, could you play football with him? But no rush. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And, you know, Jamie picks up the other line and listens in on their conversation. And that gets him steamed. He, he slams the phone down and I'm sitting here watching the movie like, okay. Sandy, you didn't hear that shit? No? Okay. She puts it together that he was eavesdropping for sure. Uh, she just did not get a call him on it because she saw what happened with the money situation. Because he pushes past her and is like, I'm going to my room! She's like, okay. <laughs> she's, she's still making light of this. And I'm like, lady, come on. He stole 20 bucks from you and you know what he did with that money. Yeah. Well, I guess you don't know, but you know like a bunch of other creepy shit he's done. Like, like lose this kid. So then he tries to steal a fucking leg of beef out of this fucking truck. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Grabs, like, the biggest leg of meat, like, on this fucking truck and tries to heave it away. And the butcher's like, the fuck you doing? Yeah, and he's like, uh, uh, he's trying to lift this. Like, there's no way he would have took it, right? No, it's, it's like a whole deer or something. <laughs> so this is when he finally, he says, okay, well, if I can't steal meat, I'm gonna, you know, bring a cow to the pit. And there's, like, this <laughs> Weird comedy inserted, like for the first time in the movie, it's been played pretty damn straight. It's basically been death dream up until this point. This movie had just like has pulled off its own head. Like I don't know what the fuck is happening, but like someone was like, "Let's do a comedy montage." The next twenty minutes is all comedy shit, M you know, more or less. Because first we start with this cow, and he's trying to drag the cow to the pit. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, you're you're gonna be turned into uh, ground beef anyway at a slaughterhouse, so I'm I'm doing you a favor by feeding you to a bunch of troglodytes while you're alive. This is like Lewis Tully talking to the fucking horse. Like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Wait for the sign. So then it cuts to him like trying to grab a fucking chicken, and you know he he didn't learn how to do it from Rocky too, so he has no success. And uh, he says, you know what, Teddy, I I tried my damnedest, but I couldn't uh, I couldn't make it happen. And Teddy's like, well, y y you know what to do. Yeah, but not the nice people. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not the nice people. The bad people. The bad people from the perspective of a unhinged 12-year-old. Yeah, that'll go smoothly. The real nasty ones that we know. Let's... Do it, baby. Yeah. So we start with Abigail, and he's and he's like he's like he's like, hey, how you doing? Uh, uh, you know, I know there's a great bike trail that nobody else knows about, but you couldn't be up to it because you're a girl. She's like, oh yeah, I'll show you. And again, they traverse this fucking like five mile fucking excursion into the woods to get to this fucking pit. Dude, he sets up a trip wire to and, and like sends her flying on her bike. And then while she's recovering, he steals it and, like, goes around the pit. Mm-hmm. Well, this little girl, you know, has to be the dumbest person in this film by <laughs> by far. She has Baby's Day Out vision. Oh, yeah. Well, she she might be related to Mar from Home Alone because she just, like, looks completely straight, doesn't look down even an inch, and goes, Hey, that's my bike! <laughs> As she falls down the fucking pit. <laughs> 
What a hole! Um, I love that every one of these people that falls into the into this pit, uh, they just they go hoop and they go just go right in, and then he has like a one liner like, "Yep, shoot, I guess you got my, I guess I got your bike now. <laughs> See ya." You could string together actually going back to this. You could string together a montage of him entering the woods with a stranger and leaving with glee with one of their stolen possessions to the troll theme from earlier. <laughs> he's just fucking. That might have to be a video. That sounds like a video that you need to make. That sounds like a video I thought of five minutes ago. <laughs> it's very serial killer esque because he's constantly, you know. You always read stories and have been done a million times in movies and TV shows. Yeah, he's collecting his trophies. Exactly, exactly. And he's riding the bike out, and I'm sitting there thinking, all right, but the second someone sees you riding Abigail's bike, like, how are you going to explain that one? Well, let me one-up you, Sean. Uh, here comes the old lady <laughs> with the fucking mechanized wheelchair. This is my favorite because he pushed he's – like, he's like, hey, I just wanted to tell you that uh, I'm real sorry, and you were right for calling the cops on me for swinging from my tree naked. You know, I know you're just trying to do the right thing. She's like – Oh, yeah, you're a good boy. You know, maybe I misjudged you. Meanwhile, he's turning all the safeties off on her fucking wheelchair. She's like, he's like, you want to go for a walk? She's like, well, I was waiting for Ethel, but whoa. And then he starts fucking, he races <laughs> this woman down the street the entire time. I, first of all, I thought he was just going to push her into traffic and just say, fuck this whole pit ordeal. But no, he pushes her all the way across the countryside. He passes Lubden and everything. Dude, he crosses fucking Middle Earth to get to this fucking pit with this wheelchair. Yeah, he, he sees Bilbo running by. I'm going on an adventure! <laughs> I'm just like, he's just running through the field. At... Yeah, yeah. And, and the whole time, this old woman is just flailing her arms. Ah! I don't like this! Ah! I don't like the leaf town! This is scary! Ah! Where's Bertha? She usually pushes me! That's GVD just palpatining him, okay? She's, she's asking for it. Well, as we find out... Oh, this is totally a strike-me-down kind of thing. <laughs> because he fucking dumps her into that fucking hole. She doesn't die, man. She's like, oh, your training is complete, Jamie. These are my children down here. <laughs> yeah, I put them here. <laughs> that that was the fi- that was the final part of her uh, ritual. That that was the part that made her immortal. Finally, yes, exactly. She, this this was the moment she'd been waiting thousands of years for, where she didn't have to basically remake a body every couple, you know, every fifty or sixty years, and and transfer her soul. This was the moment she'd waited for for a long time. She she had to be murdered, right? She couldn't ask somebody to do it. Somebody had to do it of their own accord. Yes. That that was part of the ritual, and it had to be the sixth movie in a, in a, in, a, in two trilogies, um, with no foreshadowing about it happening whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not not an entire uh, season or two of movie dumpster uh, to make this connect. It just uh, it just works. It's you know just like Todd Howard always says, it just works. Yeah, she passed by a vat of uh, John Hurt clones on the way over to. I'll be back. Yeah, the, he he fucking jets off their fucking wheelchair. Yeah, after after he yeets her in there, <laughs> he's riding it out of the woods like. <laughs> then then he got poor Alan here. He's the guy maybe I feel uh, worse for because he had no connection to this kid at all. He just made out with his babysitter. <laughs> also the. The effort to get him by this pit is ridiculous. Like, Oh, it's tremendous. Jamie's like, I'm going to play catch them. I'm going to put my back to the woods. And I'm going to fake, you know, not catch the ball, grab the ball, and just run into the fucking woods. I know this great spot. It's about a mile out. <laughs> it's right by the woods. There's a cornfield there, so the ball can get lost really easily. But trust me, it's a great spot. He fucking plays catch with this guy and is, manages to, like, maneuver him across, like, three miles 
into this into the woods and then he's like wait a second we're not going to play in there you can't play catch in there he's like come on man there's a clearing just up here let's do it come on i got my pornos in there (laughs) oh my god charlie bounty hunters dropping the fucking pornos in the woods oh yeah i have a feeling that he was literally like in their backyard and like missed the catch like 40 or 50 times in a row to get him to this location he's like oh man we're really far from home man we really moved out didn't we let's play catch jamie just keeps running he's like is he gonna stop or just follow him all right just follow him again (laughs) i think that's what happened yeah so then alan goes for a long pass go deep and jamie's a fucking uh a bullet so he launches this ball in the air right over the uh pit and jamie and Alan's just like, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a 15-foot fall for this fo- for this football. Jumps in the air, grabs it, and he's out of the movie. <laughs> and somehow, some way, Jamie gets the football back. Did he go down and say, hey, trailer logs, uh, toss that back up. I need that for the next scene. <laughs> hey, boys, <laughs> up here. Can you throw that back up here? I know you don't eat that. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it. And, and this entire sequence is like, has this Wizard of Oz, like, country, like, circus music playing over it all like happy upbeat tones while people are just being murdered again played for laughs like hardcore and it's like how are you gonna do all that fucked up shit 20 minutes ago and then just insert this shit in like this like i don't know i I just don't like it because like if this was the whole movie sure i'd be into it because you've already set the tone but it's it's just like the way this was handled in in my opinion is just to kind of make it seem like the kid what he's doing isn't that big of a deal like washing his hands with it because it's it's fun and he's joking around and he's playing pranks on people but the prank is they die and get eaten alive yeah it suddenly becomes monster in the closet for like 10 minutes where it's like you have these like these very comedically framed deaths yeah like even when the old woman dies he goes yeah my dad always says we all gotta go sometime (laughs) and it's not a bad gag but it doesn't belong there right exactly i mean this kid can coax anybody to do anything clearly especially if it involves following him to their death yeah. Because then we go to this opening scene again. Yeah, we cut we cut to the beginning of the movie again, and we're like, wait a second, did this start over? It's, yeah. <laughs> instantly thought of a Mr. Science Theater thing where Crow was like, oh no, it started over. <laughs> I totally understand why you put this scene here, because this is important to like him taking out all his bad people, but if, you, if you're going to put that scene in the beginning of the fucking movie, do a redacted... Uh, version when you come back to it. All I gotta see is him walk up to the kid, maybe get that first line, I'm Jamie, wanna follow me, cut to them in the woods, pushed in, girl fainting. That's it. I don't need the literal entire five fucking minute sequence. (laughs) We gotta pad it out, baby. Yeah, it's the whole sequence and then some. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Joe. It's literally for padding's sake. Because it's the scene, it's the scene verbatim. They don't cut anything out. They even show the flashback to him getting punched again. (laughs) They do. This is one of the darker parts again like we just had a fucking we we had a fun romp of like comedically dropping people into the, into this fucking pit and now it it it's it like shows his real intentions i guess yeah he goes full serial killer here so he fucking kills freddie phelps and then that's where it cuts in the beginning but now he's chasing what's her name christina or some shit something like that uh it doesn't it doesn't matter whatever it is a uh, pretty girl as he refers to her as he's chasing her around in the woods and like antagonizing her yeah from the shadows yeah and she's like he's like saying all this shit he's like oh you thought it was real fucking funny when he punched me huh huh you think it's funny now bitch and he he, like, comes up behind her and, like, whispers, scares the shit out of her.
her and she like faints like right next to the pit she's like a she's like a fainting goat like just the minimal effort and she's out yeah i mean she just seen some serious shit but then this right here man so she faints and he's like cradling her in his arms oh uh, hate, hate it all he's like yeah you know i'm really sorry for this because because you're pretty but but you're not pretty on the inside. And you'd probably spend your life giggling at other people's pain. So I, I, you need to go join Freddy in heaven because, you know, and you're not going to need your tutu either. So so goodbye, pretty girl. He strips this woman of her, or this little girl of her fucking costume and kicks her into the fucking pit. Yeah, it's disturbing. I, I was real nervous during the scene when he took the tutu off. I was like, this movie's not going where I think it's going. It doesn't, thankfully. And it, it, it didn't, but it was damn close. Yeah. I was just, like, angrily, like, vocalizing and just pointing at the screen. I was like, oh, no, 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 stop it. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. And it's arguably a really good scene that serves the story and, like, his descent into madness. But, like, again, it's discounted by the fucking 20 <laughs> minutes of, like, well, wicka, 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 get into the fucking pit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it's it's preceded by Benny Hill murder theme, you know, mur- murder sequence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he just, uh, you know, he he's gonna keep that for later to peg some evidence onto somebody. But he he just leaves. The way that the way that all of the quote unquote trophies come back, I thought was pretty good. But then, but that's like part of an entirely different movie that happens at some point. <laughs> yeah. And then um, he goes home. Speaking of the guy who gets shit pegged on him, <laughs> and. Uh, how long's Alan been dead? Two days, maybe? Max? I guess. She's already dating somebody else! And he's like, yeah, I had a great time. You ever hear from Alan? That's kind of fucked up he never called you again. And she's like, yeah, I tried contacting him. All his friends don't know where he is. His family don't know where he is. Fuck him. It kind of sounds like a missing person, but what would I know? It, they're just college kids, and it's just like, sure. I'm sure that dude gets, he's like a star quarterback or whatever, and like he's getting girls all the time, so it's not like a, a thing. Regardless, Jamie sees this happen and gets jealous again, and that's, that's really the crutch of the scene. He's like, how many guys are I going to push to a pit? Son of a bitch, I gotta go back to that motherfucker. How am I gonna get this fuck out there? And, uh, we, we, we go to, I think it's the next morning, and, uh, Sandy asks Jamie, you know, hey, did Alan ever come over here to play football with you or anything like that? Did he ever call? And he's like, no. Why, was he supposed to? Who's Alan? Oh, he's missing? I, I don't know. She's like, do you know what happened? He's like, what happened with what? She's like, Alan, he's missing. She's like, he's like, uh... No, I don't know what happened to him, or the old lady, or Abigail, or any of the other people I murdered. Maybe Alan had a nice trip, and he'll see you next fall. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, it's not my fault he hasn't called you. What are you? What is that, my fault? He's like, yeah, I don't give a shit, and she slaps him. Oh, she five across the face for sure. And, and to her credit, she immediately regrets it. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I just slapped this kid. Like, I'm so sorry. He, he deserved three or four more. <laughs> Dude, he deserved, he deserved to get fucking slapped the fuck down and kicked in the ass. You see the fire light up in this kid's face when he gets hit he is ready to fucking just commit a murder right then and there but he 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 holds back a little bit according to (laughs) according to stewart this was the point where after she smacks him in the face everything after this is in his head whoa (laughs) yeah and then I'll revisit that when we get to the end. I I, I, I kind of like that a little bit more. But this is also the scene after he gets slapped where he's like, you know, he's like, uh, you know, he lists off all the names of the people. And then he and then he finishes that by saying, you know, they don't eat chocolate bars. And she's like, 
what are you talking about, Jamie? Who's they? He's like, you know. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> She's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, come with me. No, I don't keep up with your bullshit, Jamie. There's too much of it. I'm going to show you where they live, okay? And she's like, all right, well, if you stop being a fucking creep, I'll go with you for God's sake. And he, and, and he takes her by hand. Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> Jamie, I said, stop being a fucking creep. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a little strange because it's like, well, why, lady, you know, I'm sure he told you that it was like in the woods, right? Like, why are you wearing high heels? Well... <laughs> I think they literally left the house right then and there because this kid's such a weirdo. He had to show her immediately, but you're right. Why did? Because she even jokes about that. She's, like, tripping over, like, brush and shit in the woods. Dude, she falls down, like, four times. Yeah. She's like, I sh- you sure I can't go back and put some shoes on and, and some jeans? He's like, no, this is, we got we to do this now before you don't believe me again. Look, there's the hole. It's right there. Come on. The, f- the field is across the street seven miles away. <laughs> you can't enter the speed force like I can? Huh. I got this new nifty wheelchair that I can drive that drives me there. Once this thing hits, I already made that joke this episode. <laughs> and they're looking at it, and he's like, check them out. And she's like, wait, what? He's like, oh, there got to be like pigs down there. Some pigs fell in there. He's like, no, no, no. They're from prehistoric times. They're pygmy dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, fucking, it's it's just the fucking prehistoria crew down there eating fucking haggis burgers. Oh, my God. Wait, Speed Force, Matt Letcher's somewhere around lurking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, realistically, like, if those pygmy dinosaurs are down there, again, it's just because the card table hasn't been moved before Jamie entered the scene. He was moving <laughs> a little quicker than the guys downstairs were able to move. Because, you know, they're eating those haggis burgers all the time. They don't care what's on it. Come to our corpse fucker. If you put it in their hand, they're taking a bite out of it. Sloppy Joes. <laughs> Sloppy Joes and martinis. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. So then Sandy is all about, like, oh, yeah, this is, I can't believe this is real. I, I didn't believe you to the very last second. We got to tell it. We got to tell some scientists about this. And he's like, no way. Yeah. This is a groundbreaking discovery. He's like, they're going to put them in a cage. And he's like, She's like, yeah, but you keep toads and snakes in a cage. And he's like, so what? I love that. That he's so ignorant to like what what his Exactly what his own reality is when she says that he can't even put it together. Well, his thing is more like it's our secret. Like this is the you know, it's Oh yeah. It's something that nobody else has access to or knows about except him, so he's like super protective about it. It's a way to be intimate with her without having to, you know, cross that that line he do- so desperately wants to cross. Exactly. And he's like, This is our secret. He's not thinking one step ahead, because the second she tells somebody else, you're right, it's not their secret anymore. So this idiot fucking slips right into this fucking hole whether that's the high heels or i don't know what's fault but she goes in there and then gets snagged on like a very small looking root and it's filmed very awkwardly because yeah well you know we have to have a sequence where she just barely is hanging on for dear life so jamie can try to save her uh and it doesn't work out because uh, otherwise she would have just fallen she would have otherwise fell in there and we went into her to peep and we would have just known she was dead the only person in the movie who gets like an extended sequence of being devoured by these things. Yeah, this is the first time we actually see what happens, right? So she's screaming like she's she actually does a really good job in this scene for like being scared. He try he like puts his hand out and like grabs her cuz he doesn't want her to die. So she sl- ends up slipping and falling down and then gets fucking eviscerated by the the trollologs and he watches them do it and he starts freaking out. Yeah, and it's it's the first instance this movie we see even a drop of blood and there it comes at you like for a movie that's been relatively clean and for a movie that just had a 15 to 20 minute long comedic stretch. Yeah. Suddenly you're hit with uh, visceral gore and the like the center of morality in this character being literally torn to pieces. Yeah. And now Jamie has like a, a, a real 
psychotic break because now somebody's dead that he didn't want to die. Oh, yeah. So now he's like, everybody's got to go now. <laughs> well, he goes back home and he has to consult Teddy. He's like, I didn't want to die. I didn't mean to. And Teddy's like, it's not your fault, Jamie. You know, she she fell down there. You, did you try to save her? He's like, yeah. He's like, did you, did you almost fall in trying? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, don't worry about it then, Jamie. You're fine. It's not your fault. Go, Just go to sleep now, okay? Okay. Mom and Dad are going to be home tomorrow, thank God. So just uh, keep that in mind. They, they came home right when she was killed. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, I'm imagining his parents, like, do the thing from the boy where they went to the beach, fill their pockets with, like, you know, rocks. Tried to... But it cuts back to them in the car, soaking wet, and the dad's like, of course we were drowning, honey. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, and he's like, oh, I, I meant to get these fucking pockets sewed. Instead, we're subjugated to the Irish Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> what? This fucking cop. Because, well, okay, first, first we get a setup about how dad's reading the paper, about how Sandy's been missing, and basically, Jamie has some line about, oh, I know when she was last seen, so the parents call the cops. And there's this fucking guy from a side profile, and even, even a bit of a front profile that looks like, look up what Rudy Giuliani looks like today. Yeah, it does. Also, this character feels like he was dropped in from a comedy sitcom. He comes out of left field. I, I don't get the point of this character other than to drop one-liners that don't go anywhere. The rest of this movie feels like a different movie. Yes. From this point on. The, the end of this movie is the plot of Rawhead Rex, like, strawn out over 20 minutes. Not literally, but you get what I mean. Jamie literally dropped out of the plot for like a half hour and we're focusing on like these cops and and this other shit <sighs> right this movie at the hour point hour 10 minute point decides apropos of nothing that it wants to be a dumb monster movie well we got to insert cops in here somewhere obviously someone has to be investigating these murders so jamie's sit so jamie's like sitting in with his parents and like the cop comes and she's and he's like uh he's like uh so so what happened to to uh, your babysitter he's like i don't know she just ran off with a with uh, her boyfriend and they just left and he's like well what about this other guy with the mustache and he's like well he took her and he left you know he, he was in a yellow car or a green car i, I don't really remember he said he had to go see his his nephew Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> he said he didn't know who he was here, and he, you know, is he Jerry or what? A lot of that going. God, the Winter Stepfather is the most like least covert program in the history of covert programs. Like fucking everybody's in this thing. Like he forgot to wear the glasses, but left the mustache on. You know, one of those things. A Mrs. Doubtfire mix-up. Yeah, surprise. So the officers ask him questions and shit, and uh, Jamie like gives him that bunk-ass story, and he's like, he's, and he's like, all right, son, you can go to bed. He's like, I always want to try to be helpful, and then there's this weird part where jamie like goes upstairs and then we're reintroduced to some kind of like psychotic episode where he sees sandy like in his mirror like and she's dead and she's like why'd you do it jamie why'd you kill all those people that wasn't nice and he's like oh fuck this are the cops all the trophies right or they go about finding all of them well they it just like cuts i'm calling them trophies they're just like leftovers i guess <laughs> it like cuts and uh you see 
this like alligator ass like sewer system and they're like hey chief look at this we found the bike pretty weird place for somebody to park their bike don't you think and he's like yeah 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 i guess so well let's not go crazy now let's you know nobody's actually dead we didn't find any bodies they're just missing they could have just you know went to a party or something the uh the unchaperoned uh 10 year old girl who's been missing for a few days now nah, this isn't suspicious she just took off she she went to uh to florida for a few days yeah oh yeah totally left her bike there in an abandoned fucking sewer system she went to la paz come on now <laughs> oh no that implies that fucking daniel baldwin scooped her up no she scooped him up she's like come on motherfucker we're going to the Get in the car, Baldwin! Come on, you pussy. <laughs> He's like, oh no, Abigail's here. It's going to be a long night. There's enough fast food in tequila to kill you, man. She's like, we're going to do cocaine all night. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she's a fucking, she's crazy. So yeah, they keep, they keep finding, the cops keep finding shit and the one mayor giuliani's like oh yeah well i fucking you know i moved here for a reason so i didn't have to deal with shit because nothing happens here (laughs) i moved here so i could be a bad cop the whole fucking thing he keeps making this point like uh they're just missing they're not dead i don't want this on my fucking record not on my watch this shit isn't gonna happen so we're just gonna cover everything up that we find and then it cuts to the fucking police station and he and uh, some deputy fucking like dumps out a bag of shit and it's like all the trophies <laughs> that uh Jamie had collected like the football the tutu he's like we found these in your fucking car scumbag cuz they like apprehend the dude with the mustache like uh Sandy's boyfriend the chief's like oh it's too real i don't want to do any police work he's like oh, it, it, it that explains it he's like explain this shit and he's like i i i i can't defend myself at all he's like good we're Stephen Averying you okay we're making a murderer <laughs> They, like, try to pin all this shit on him, and you're like, fuck, that's some dark shit, because this kid just ruined this fucking guy's life. And, um, to cap off that whole scene, they find the wheelchair, and Sarge, like, sits in it, and he's like, ah, oh, great, we got a fucking wheelchair. Where's the old lady? She got, she dead? No, she's just missing. And then, like, he hits a button on it and, like, drives into a wall or some shit. Yeah, what are we, what are we even doing at this point? Somebody's hitting a fucking timpani in the background. Boom. But, like, the, the weird thing is, like, the context of that is, like, oh, we found an old blind lady's wheelchair, but no old blind lady. Oh, she's only missing. What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, they, they, like, have this guy. There's no way she could possibly need any assistance or probable medical help or anything like that. She's just <laughs> laying somewhere going, help, I'm not dead yet. Oh, my God, he pushed me into a hole. <laughs> Why is no one coming looking for me? Cuts to the fucking hole. I imagine like the, the fucking old lady from Happy Gilmore. Mister, Mister, <laughs> get this off of me. Oh, great. It's the Mister, Mister lady. The officer drives by her like, like, let's assume Jamie didn't, you know, murder her and she just like fell off like her wheelchair into like, you know, the side of the road. He just drives by. She's like, oh my God, it's been three days. He's like, I saw nothing. Just keeps going. <laughs> The cop just, like, puts a fucking spotlight on her, and she's like, help me! He's like, nope, uh, nope. He just, <laughs> he just turns it off and just drives away whistling. <laughs> Old lady's missing, got no idea where she is. Beats me, shrug. So Jamie goes back out to the hole, and he's like, okay, that, okay, tra logs that's it. No more killing, because everybody that's nasty's dead. So here's a rope, and um, you're going to have to eat. For yourself now. You're gonna have to go on the hunt, okay? Alright, I'll see you later. Bye. Go be free in the wild. Cue a death montage. Like, <laughs> uh, Basically, right? So, like, Jamie sees the ghost of Sandy again. She's like, you're a stupid little prick. 
Why'd you kill me? You're a bad boy. I love I love the idea of a ghost coming back to just like cuss somebody out. You motherfucker. You fucking little shit. Rotten little asshole. And he's like, I didn't mean to do it. Ah. So yeah, they climb out and Jamie, Jamie fucks off. And then this other movie happens while he fucks off out of the movie. So there's some old Mr. Science Theater episodes, uh, namely Pod People. That during the opening credits, like these weird short films would play that are only tangentially related to the movie you're about to watch. Oh, yeah. And they came from a specific production company. I can't remember which, which one it was, but like... It, this is exactly what it felt like. I'm like, oh, cool, like a, a, a sideshow. <laughs> You're absolutely right. This is what this last leg of this fucking film feels like. It's like an intermission. It's like, oh, cool, a little. It's like watching the preview channel. This is a movie that just doesn't want to fucking end, and I'll be the first to say it. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's only an hour and a half, around thirty uh, hour thirty six. I think I had. It feels like the fucking Lord of the Rings extended Return of the King with you know. It does. It ends like three times, like. I just, I'm not trying to, like, give away my whole opinion of this film, but it's, like, starting to really get hard uh, this late into the recording. Well, at this point, too, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Because, like, I'm sorry, but the only movie I've ever seen that ever earned the right to have a sudden surprise fourth act was The Dark Knight, and Christopher Nolan, this guy, is not. Well, sure. And again, I think it's, like, the editing. Like, a lot of these scenes should have been peppered in throughout everything else happening. And if the monsters were to get out, you should have done it fucking half hour ago. Oh, yeah, dude. And maybe a committed, like, you know, climax that was, like... Oh my god, they're on the loose, and this idiotic, you know, delusional moron is going to let him out, and, like, maybe his karma should have come a lot sooner, and maybe there should have been a proper resolution, but, like, no, this movie has a dumb monster hunting sequence, and then it wraps itself up by literally shooting fish in a fucking barrel. (laughs) It's pointless! Because it's like, these things are going around just butchering people, like, they butcher this couple on the beach and one of them is is the director's daughter like we kind of talked about and like has her show her boobs for no reason yeah yeah and can we talk about the poor motherfucker in the cornfield <laughs> they find and this guy is like oh my god this person's been absolutely ravaged and slaughtered and there's blood everywhere and the cops are like yep hell of a storm <laughs> hell of a storm and <laughs> Dude, that poor woman got the raw head treatment. They just, they saw the body and they'll file it away later. They just leave. They just walked the fuck away. Oh, yeah. They just leave it. They just leave her there. They're like, it's a cornfield. Nobody's going to see this shit. The farmer's like, look, check it out. He's like, you see that? They weren't animals, man. They look like hairy people. You, what about a zoo? They got them fucking orange gootins running around? Maybe they did it. <laughs> Orangutans. Orange tans. And, and even Bentley, the deputy, at one point finds like a truck parked on the side of the road. And just, like, a bunch of just rancid meat, I guess, which is supposed to be, like, the remains of a human being. And he's like, yep, just on the side of the road here. Ain't it weird? He's like, it's not a missing person, Sarge. It's a dead person. And then you and then you see uh, Loomis run out of the woods, but he's, like, 20 feet away from the actual murder, and he misses the entire thing. And he's just like, Michael has to be around here somewhere. Oh, he comes back later, don't worry. Way in the distance, you hear Loomis going, like, I shot him six times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm specifically talking about the scene in Halloween where he finds the abandoned truck with, with the skirt and everything, and there's, like, a fucking dead body two feet to the left oh that's right yeah <laughs> a naked body yeah with because that's where he gets his fucking jumpsuit from yeah exactly not not from uh keenan's dad <laughs> not ken forey this time sorry rob ken forey doesn't clothe uh, michael myers although that's probably my favorite scene in that movie to be honest so they leave this fucking body and like again like i said before like these cops just keep going back and forth like hey, man, they ain't dead man they're missing Okay? 
Don't you goddamn say they're they're dead. Even though they're a mangled fucking corpse on the ground, they're just missing. Well, we found them. Some big brown snake or something. <laughs> a homicidal maniac. It's a revenge killing. That's That'll be all. <laughs> and then, let, yeah, Gissing's there too. <laughs> they're all there. They're all fucking farting around eating peanuts and not actually solving anything. Yeah, no, for sure. God, the MDU cops are the fucking worst. <laughs> they really are, especially now Giuliani joins the fucking ranks. <laughs> One of the worst of the worst. He's the worst of the worst, yeah. Are you know, fucking with evidence, not listening to the deputy who actually gets what's going on, kinda. They got the racist deputy from the fucking, the, the, the being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These lit- Literally trying to fucking cover it all up. And that's what he does. Well, he he in, he in fact does indeed because they finally get like their their group of Frankenstein uh, angry mob uh, hunters around. It's the it's the militia from Razorback. They all wandered over the same place. <laughs> they got the call. Oh, they sure did. Yeah, they got a tracking beacon on one of these fucking things. One of these pigs. <laughs> uh, also, you see these things in full light now. And oh yes, oh my god. And it's unfortunate because what were they thinking? I don't know. Like it's unfortunate because. Because, like, you could have did this in a way where you didn't show them like you do. You know what I mean? Like, it's like stark light, full body shots of these things. They look like fucking Ewoks, okay? I was reading that, well, okay, so two things on that topic. First of all, I was reading on IMDb that they had different suits for these creatures originally, and I think it was the director or somebody said they didn't look good, so they had them remade. I wonder what they looked like before. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, I would love to know. They probably were better, if, if, uh, if I had to guess. But the other thing, you, you just invoked uh, the Ewoks, you know, for years... Uh, apparently people are saying that George Lucas ripped off this film. I That's f- wild. It, that inspired the Ewoks, yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I, maybe, kind of. They're just furry people with baboon faces. It's not even close. They have the same pattern as, like, the shaman one, the shaman Ewok. A little bit. Yeah, and, like, here's the thing. Like, if the, if there is any at all truth to that sentence, like, when you look at how he would, you know, uh, very liberally borrow from, like, sure. uh, like Buck Rogers and, like, all other kinds of, like, Flash Gordon and stuff like that, like... It wouldn't shock me. No. No, not at all. I I could see weird uh, George Lucas, early 20s, 30s George Lucas being totally into this. Just in a theater, like, huh. That's interesting. File file that away for a film I'm working on. What if I what if I put burlap sacks on them? That'd look pretty uh What if I had a planet of little furry bears? No, well, they didn't eat people though. They just uh they what well they do eat people, but you don't see them eat well, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do eat people, but Luke Luke saves them. For, right, with C- C-3PO. I'm going to have to take the range of the director back for the next film to make sure I get this idea inserted into the film because otherwise nobody... <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would ever do it. Yeah, I better I better get on that. Yeah, because then Lawrence Kasdan would just tell me no, and I'm tired of listening to that guy's shit. Fuck you, fuck you, Lawrence. So yeah, so they're like, there they are. Or They don't even, like, see these things. They're, like, hunting them, but not really. And all the trollologs yeah. are, like, eating in a barn or some shit, and they're like, oh shit, cheese it, it's the fuzz. And they all fucking run back into the pit, and they all hop down into their hole. Yeah, they're like, hut, 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 hut. Oh, yeah. They just fucking roll in like it's, like, a routine they're used to doing. They're screaming Utini and shit, and they're fucking jumping down in the hole, yeah. And, and these guys circle this this pit with their rifles and just Simon Basel the shit out of these things. Dude, they walk up, they're like, what the fuck is that? Okay, fire! And then fucking Loomis comes out of the bushes and shoots them all six times. 
<laughs> Again, he just places the casings on the ground and stands there pantomiming <laughs> shooting. No, he he burst out of the woods with a single revolver only to be met with 14 men with, with 12-gauge shotguns. And he's just, like, instantly deflated. He's like, come on. <laughs> I mean, he even sees his ancestor, uh, Sheriff Loomis, there, you know, unloading on one of these things. <laughs> He's like, he's like, I ran all the way out here. I'm old. My lungs hurt. And I, you took it from me. <laughs> I've also never seen a movie so, like, dismissively wipe its hands of its, like, its, like, central villain or monster. Yeah, dude, these things die in a way that made me kind of feel bad for them. Like, one of them's like, as it's, like, bleeding out. They had no fucking chance. Not since The Incredible Melting Man have I seen a movie just, like, go, like, yeah, that's her fucking whatever, and, like, at least in, uh, in, in this, they're shot in a hole and just left there. In The Melting Man, like, the titular monster is, like, swept up in a fucking dustpan by some passing gender and dumped in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> these things are, like, twitching. They shoot these things, like, 900 times. Um, and they're, like, twitching and all gross and just riddled with bullets. And then the fucking sheriff's like, all right, bring in the fucking, bring in the bulldozer. And they fill this fucking hole in. And all the while, the deputy's on the phone and he's like, yeah, um, yeah, it was dogs, rabid dogs, a pack of them. Yeah, yeah, mm mm-hmm. All those rabid dogs running around suburbia. Yeah, we were, uh, we're gonna bury them, you know, because, you know, people don't, people are gonna want to write about this in the newspaper. We don't want all that attention. We're just gonna bury them and and call it a day and dog attacks, uh, that's it. That's all she wrote. All these people are dead. Just, you'll buy it. Trust us. No bodies, no funeral, nothing. Just, uh, write it down. That's what we did. What kind of dogs were they, deputy? I don't know. The dog kind. Fuck off. Okay, so, real quick, I want to say this. Like, this is what I want for the beginning of the movie. Yes. Oh, if, yeah, yeah. If you're going to insert a scene in the beginning, this would be one, for sure. This would be it, because it's like, all right, we're going to take care of this and cover it up. Yeah. And guess what? They don't, because there's more. It's just like the Boogans. I, I like I, I like that idea <laughs> better, you know? Or Cumdar and the gang just dug another hole. What? <laughs> Oh, who dropped the fucking load of dirt on our goddamn table? Yeah, who turned out the lights? All he's got to do is go full size, you know, 200 feet tall and just stomp a foot into the ground and he's got a new one. <laughs> Shrink back down, he's ready to play cards. Oh, he fucking's got to punch a hole in the ground, yeah. Yeah. I've had it. That kid won't stop talking to us and he's throwing people at us the whole time. Throw down more Nestle's Crunch, TM. He, he calls William Atherton. He asks him to come out, meet him in the woods, asks him to stand in a very particular spot, and then he spooges on him, and then, you know, then the hold is there after, so. You know, he, he needs a target to hit. I got this weird phone call. They said they were, they had, they kidnapped my niece, and if I didn't come out to this hole in the middle of the woods, they were gonna hurt her. I don't know. I don't know. This very growly voice man called me dickless. I'm very confused. <laughs> He said I had no dick. Why does everyone keep saying this to me? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> then we go to the last scene of the movie where I guess just uh, Jamie's parents have had enough. Okay. They don't have any proof that he did any of this. So let me finish up the thought real quick uh, before when I was when I was telling you guys about how when Jamie gets smacked in the face, everything after that is just in his head. Right. So there's supposed to be a scene here. There's two scenes that are, are missing uh, from this. And one of them is he gets committed his parents like commit him to a an asylum and then he's brought home to uh his grandparents house oh like they checked him out like how dare they put him in here he's totally okay well i think they i think they checked him out and like i meaning like 
he was like, all right, you're unfit to go back here, but you can go live with your grandparents because it's like, I don't know what, out of the way or what have you. Um, So that's one scene. So then he gets there and it's kind of jarring because, because yeah, Sean, that's how it, like, that's how it feels. His parents are just like, fuck you, go live with your grandparents now. Yeah, it's not like, unless they were killed off screen and they just didn't bother to express that to us. And yeah, they walked back into the ocean. They put more rocks in their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the whole town's fucked now. We might as well give this a second shot. Honey, you can't chicken out this time. I bought a fucking <laughs> Anvil this time. We're going down. He gives her some extra MDUs for the uh, trip this time. He fucking cuts those tops off those Tide boxes, makes him makes his fucking wife some cement shoes, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Grandpa's like, hey, uh, you see that little girl over there? That's Alicia. She can be your playmate. Oh, okay. He's like, this is, this is my dream. I have a friend. And she like she's like, hey, I'm your step-cousin, question mark. Okay. Isn't this suspicious? I, I don't know if that's actually the case or it's just kids playing around and joking around. Does she live with the grandparents? I think she might just live up the road. And, you know, she's like, oh, chase me. And he puts the bag down. And he's got Teddy in because, you know, they didn't, they couldn't be bothered to shoot this fucking thing half the time. Because <laughs> it's in a bag. His, his fucking white bag he loves to carry him around in. Yeah, and he's like, I'll be right back, Teddy. Don't wait up. And he chases this little girl past a cornfield that looks very reminiscent to the one he ran past. In fact, I'm curious as to why he didn't sit there and say, shit, you know what? I think we just went through the speed force. <laughs> ah! Probably nothing. Why are we covered in cum? <laughs> Oh, no, no. Uh, I guess, yeah, there would be some, uh, you know, some white stuff involved for sure. We're not talking about clam chowder. No, no, no. It's, and it's just like poltergeist where they have the shit on them when they go through the fucking portal, the ectoplasm, quote unquote. I'm putting it together in my mind, going back to what we said (laughs) earlier in this episode. Yeah, I I see it. So they get to this hole, they get to another pit, the the pit two, T-O-O. This one, this one's just a flat section. It's got no spikes. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it's the same set, which... Guess I can't fault him for that one. Shot from a different angle that they haven't used before. And and he goes, uh, he walks up, he goes, no, it can't be. Those are tra logs. You know they don't eat uh, candy, they eat people. And she's like, they sure do. <laughs> yup. And she pushes his ass in, and, and we get one of the best freeze frames in a movie I've ever seen of him falling and screaming as he's about to be eaten alive. This might as well have been punched up with like, Walking on Sunshine should have been playing as he fucking got pushed. Like, I burst into fucking laughter when this happened because like it's it freeze frames him mid fall and this little girl has just like a non-plus look on her face just like yep mm-hmm. this is happening also this movie has the audacity to be like oh look we're just gonna wrap this up with a second pit with a different kid who's also feeding these same monsters other people and oh look the main character is gonna get pushed into it he got his comeuppance from his cousin what? Out, out of nowhere. You didn't earn that, you know? It's the Twilight Zone. Do 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 It is that Goosebumps Twilight Zone ass ending. So this is the real ending. You ready? Yeah. So he gets sent to the mental hospital, he goes to his parents' house or grandparents' house. He gets pushed in the hole. But it doesn't just end. It goes back. Back to the mental institution. And the idea there was the entire film, for the most part, well, after he gets smacked, he's just crazy. And that's how it ends. Kind of like Pinocchio's Revenge, like you said. Oh, spoilers. To a 30-year-old film. Oh, no, you spoiled Pinocchio's Revenge. I can never be the same. I know, but we wanted to do it, so whatever. Anyway. I'll forget it by then. (laughs) So Stewart's intention was to make it a seven or eight-year-old kid 
who was psychotic. Sure. Teddy was Teddy when his, was in his head the whole time. There were no tra logs. They were just in his head. Right? And then at the end, uh, that's the big reveal. Like, it's more like a drama and, like of him being fucking crazy and, like, seeing these things and then being committed to a mental institution. And then Lou is like, nah, fuck that shit. He's like, we're making a fucking monster movie, baby. Let Those tra logs are real. We're gonna have them climb out of the pit and fucking eat people and shit. And, uh... And then we got this film. He even was heard telling Stuart that, wait until they see this movie, Stuart. You're going to see my name in lights all over Hollywood. Just you <laughs> wait. You're going to get another writing job. I guarantee it. Where are we put? Wait, what, what treat is this in our treat bags, fellas? Oh, man. You know, I thought I had one before, but, like, my opinion of the movie kind of went from, like, this is stupid, but... I think I was, like, making a decision, like, halfway through. I'm like, this is stupid, but ultimately harmless. But then, like, it got problematic, and then it got more problematic, and then it got more problematic. And then it just got nonsensical and stupid, and I hated the ending. So, like, coming up with a Halloween treat has been really difficult, and I'm just gonna go, like, real mean for this one. This is, like, biting into a fucking apple with razor blades in it. Like, I... <laughs> you don't even get the apple pie the next morning. You get the you get the real deal. Yeah, this is, like, it's, like, living the myth of people fucking with your Halloween food. Um, or like, like pixie sticks with cyanide in it, which is a real thing that happened. Um, it, it's, it's like, there was a cool idea here with what I hear about the, the novel and like, there was some thought into like, let's explore the damaged psyche of a, of a seven, eight year old boy. And we're going to use like something that's very closely tied to childhood innocence and his toy. And we're going to play with that. And, you know, he's going to come up with these monsters and that's something a kid would do. Um, I don't know if the book has as much of the uh, pervy stuff, but it sounds like you said it's much less prevalent in the book or in the novelization. I've never read it, but that's what I've heard. we got to ask CB to cover it. Yeah. I don't know if I want to torture the guy. <laughs> Although maybe it'll be cool. I, I don't know. The book doesn't sound bad at all, honestly. Yeah. But then to take something like that's kind of cerebral and interesting and that wants to go places and then just to, like drive the motorcycle through seven flaming rings only to fucking crash it and shatter your spine at the end of the trip <laughs> like is really baffling to me um i at some point this movie falls apart and it's when the fucking teddy bear's head turns around because th that at that point you have a person who doesn't know what kind of movie he wants to make even though maybe he's saying you know we're gonna make a horror film um if that's the case then you wouldn't have included that but also you know, included the the monster rampage that doesn't feel earned, sincere, or effective at all. Um, you, it's like trying to have your cake and eat it too. This is a this is a bad movie. I don't think it's very good at all. <laughs> it's amusing in some parts, like it's funny because the dialogue is all fucking strange and robotic and wooden, and sometimes overly melodramatic. Like when his dad's talking about seeing him fucking outside naked with a Superman cape on playing Tarzan, it's like Vic Murrow, like, is delivering these lines. Like, it's ridiculous sounding. Uh, like, he's like, got a like, glass of scotch staring at the window and, like, thunder cracking might as well be happening over it. Um, yeah, it's it's nonsense. It's it's mean-spirited. It's gross, and yeah, it's, uh, it's normally it'd be a dumpster movie, but now, yeah, it's a fucking apple with razor blades in it. <laughs> um, this is... Let's see. I, I, I'm pretty sure these are Starbursts. This is Starbursts for me. Um, and I really, really love Starbursts. But I have a habit of 
eating too many of them and then getting a stomach ache. Oh, yeah. That's that's kind of where I'm going with this. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they play with in this film from uh, the perspective of like the child psychosis and and kind of how that all kind of plays out with him being super pervy, but not understanding why everybody's reacting the way they are to what he's doing. And he thinks that that is how you express like love or like affection for somebody else. And I guess that kind of ties back to the whole mom in the tub thing. Um, I can appreciate what the original script was trying to do. But like even Connor said, when you, when you insert all these other elements that aren't supposed to be there, you fuck with the story. And when you fuck with the story, the original intent is completely gone. And in this particular case, like they remove the childlike innocence. Cause now we have this uh, pubescent child who's, halfway to being a man like he's almost you know what i mean he's like almost there that coupled with the fact that like all this stuff is supposed to take place in his head like even the teddy thing and the and the trollologs and stuff which i don't mind about the trollologs because um again like i'm i'm a little creature movie guy like i like i like the weird uh uh, creatures in uh in horror movies but like the stuff with the teddy particularly, you think it's in his head, but then it's not, or it is, or it's suggesting that it's not, and then it just fucks off. Like, this movie feels like, again, like they, like Connor even said, like, he didn't, like, Lou didn't know exactly what kind of film he wanted to make, and the adjustments that he made fucked up the kind of the flow of how everything was supposed to go, and therefore, like, hurts the, the film overall. It's still good enough for me to, to, to enjoy, though. Like, I, I, I love the dialogue exchange. I think Jay, the kid who plays Jamie, um, Sammy, uh, I forget his last name. Sammy whatever. I forget his last name, but I think he's really great, uh, in this film. I think everybody's doing, um, a really good job. Even the, even the woman who plays, uh, uh, Sandy, there's enough charm here for me to not totally condemn this film. And again, like I enjoy this film. I'm not going to watch it every year, but I'll pull it off the shelf once in a while. And I'm glad they made it a little bit more accessible in a HD format uh, from Kino Lorber. They, they put out the Blu-ray a couple years ago. And I don't know. It's a weird little film that I think you should at least watch once. It's it's just a strange fucking movie. Um, and there's kind of a lot to unpack as, we, as you've listened to us do. Um, but then at the end, it just totally takes a shit. So yeah, Starburst, Starburst Candies. Uh very delicious but also sickening <laughs> if if it too much is uh, ingested uh so yeah uh this movie's good in plenties <laughs> straight up <laughs> uh some people enjoy them and you know what in 1981 i think a lot more people did than they do today but you know if you never had a good in plenty it's basically just black licorice in mike and ike form well what what a letdown it was as a kid and as an adult to get uh Good and plenty's over Mike and Ike's. You just were sitting there looking. I'm like, yeah, really? This is the uh, pill-shaped candy you're going to give me right now? Okay. You think it's grape and it's fucking licorice. Yeah. I mean, some people like it. I mean, don't get me wrong. And I, I, I think the big problem I have with this movie is that there's just so many movies that have come out since this that have done a lot of these concepts better. I mean, one that comes immediately to mind is The Gate. I mean, uh, obviously, the plot's very different. The kids in the gate aren't uh, mentally disturbed. Well, I mean, that one kid might be a little bit. Oh, sure. But that concept of little creatures in a hole, I mean, you know, add hell, the level of hell to it, and uh, it takes it up to another level. And just uh, the whole 
you know, bringing people to this whole to get rid of them thing. I don't know. A, a bit of Hellraiser vibes for me personally, but only on the surface. And I mean, you know what? Maybe it's not fair for me to make this comparison. Again, this movie is, God, uh, 40 fucking years old at this point. But I, I, I don't know. If I, if I saw it in 81, when I wasn't even a twinkle in my parents' eye, uh, maybe I would have liked this. But uh, it's got to be good and plenty, guys. I'm sorry. I, I did not like this. There's, like Connor <laughs> said, there's a couple scenes here and there. Like the black comedy, when it came out of nowhere, again, if that was the whole movie, like say, like uh, Satan's Little Helper, sure, I, I, I could buy into it because you're 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 predisposed to what you're gonna be seeing, and obviously, like you know, let let's look at that from a slightly different angle for a second. There are plenty of serious movies, dramas, and whatnot that pepper in comedy here and there, m- uh, moments of lightness, like uh, obviously, but this is like literally shoehorned in the middle of the film. Uh, and it just took me way out of it. And and like Connor said, the whole thing with the bear turning and that never goes anywhere. Um, I mean, I'll take the MDU version of that from this film and, and ha- hopefully it'll continue to uh, <laughs> grace this podcast. We'll see if he uh, makes an appearance to take over the world eventually. Maybe he's one of those, you know, the kingdom of bears, uh, Ursa, Ursa Kingdom is going to come in uh, <laughs> down the road as a third party to try to uh, rebalance the uh, the forces of the MDU. Uh, but for now, uh, we're going to take these good and plenties and just uh, throw them right in the trash. I'm not even going to try to taste them and, and think that they might be better than the last time. I've been fooled one too many times. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I typically don't like just, you know, if you're listening to this show over the last three years, I, I go on these rants about these movies, whether I like them or I don't like them. And really, you got to trust me on this. I, I go into every movie wanting to like this. <laughs> With the exception of maybe, like, House of the Dead and Dragon Ball Evolution, because I kind of had an idea of what I was getting into. But outside of those cases, I'm really, like, rooting for these movies, and, again, I see it, but uh, it's not for me. I'll I'll take a Snickers or a Reese's Cup or a Carmelo bar or fucking anything else, pretty much. Some Butterfingers over this shit. I don't need it. (laughs) Keep it away from me. And uh, Demonic Toys called. They want their gimmick back, their Halloween sequence to fall in the <laughs> Trick or Trash uh, uh, timeline. A much better film. I, I, I'm not even going to try to compare the two. Charnetsky will come out of the MDU and swipe me if I even try to do it. With a chunky chicken uh, leg, I assume, is his mace in this scenario. Uh, crashing down on my head, sending me into the floor. Uh, so, yeah, not going to revisit this one. Didn't hate it. I'm not going to sit here and say it's at the bottom of the dumpster. Sure. But uh, good and plenties. Can I say anything else? Uh, I want to I want to add to that that apparently, I've discovered this recently through a news article, uh, enough black licorice will actually fucking kill you. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Fill my lungs with good and plenties and just say a fucking prayer because I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> and um, on Satan's Little Helper, I actually kind of feel like I've changed my tune in that movie a little bit because as ham-fisted I think some of the satire and black comedy is in that, it is a fucking work of art next to whatever the fuck this movie is trying to say. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where, like, they butchered this script and then didn't know what to do with it. I think that's I think that's yeah. why this took a shit. You know what I mean? And then so at the end, your movie says nothing, it's for nobody, and I don't understand it, and I hate it. <laughs> I will say that, like, if you're into weird little creature movies and um, you're into B-movies, um, 
give it give it a shot at least and see see if you're into it. Uh, and I'm also gonna add this: if you want to watch a contemporary movie about a bad seed kid that you may not have ever heard of, um, go watch when you talk about Kevin with Ezra Miller and um, oh shit, um, yeah, she was in Constantine and uh, uh, fucking Narnia. No idea. Me neither. Sorry. Oh fuck, I should know her name, and it's blanky. I mean, I I was gonna say you know just to keep it on brand, you know, go watch you know Uncle Sam. Child's Play 3, (laughs) Satan's Little Helper, all all those ones that Serge listed for us at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, Uh, it's got John C. Riley, Ezra Miller, and uh, the actress's name is, I'm not going to Google it because it's embarrassing. Uh, It's really, really good. It's fucking dark and grim, but it's trying to, it it successfully says all the things this movie might be trying to say and fails miserably at. Or, Or, you know, like The Good Son. That's another one. Yeah, that's another good one, too. Well, originally, that's what this movie was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, like, a tiny, not a tiny terror, but, like, a kid movie, like The Good Son, like a bad kid, a bad seed movie. Um, and they turned it into a monster movie, and they fucked it up, I think, like, towards the, towards again, towards the end. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff that does that does kind of hit, and then when it hits, it's like, oh, I want more of that, and you put more of this, and then it's like, well, what the fuck are you trying to do here? Tilda Swinton. There we go. It's Tilda Swinton, Ezra Miller, and John C. Riley. There we go. T- oh, Tilda Swinton. How dare dare you <laughs> i know <laughs> tilda swinton fucking rules and my brain was like not gonna do it <laughs> sure no no i i'm messing with you i've been there man 100 percent. i can't remember the names of characters on our own fucking show sometimes yeah no totally so make sure you go check out that instagram or your or the facebook or the twitter or wherever and uh you know you, you guys heard that code word already in this episode so uh Go uh, submit that, get your entries in, and uh, try to win this sweet-ass prize pack for The Pit. Hell yeah, and you can uh, enter every week if you'd like, and uh, it's always a different code word, keep that in mind. Uh, You always gotta re-enter, it's a little different with Trick or Trash, we tried to uh, mix it up during the Halloween month. Mm -hmm. And we got one episode left for you our hundredth episode extravaganza spooktacular yes we're doing earnest scared stupid next week so make sure you are all caught up for this month with all of your entries and all of your listening because it's going to be a good one yeah and we got pissy miles coming on yes we do i also want to remind everyone listening to this that i've never seen the movie we're gonna watch so it's kind of a big deal for me (laughs) um it's a huge deal for me i was gonna mention that too i'm glad you took the words out of my mouth that i was gonna take out of your mouth (laughs) (laughs) sort of like the virginity that was taken from sandy from the wolfman we talking about sandy in this movie we talking about sandy in the last movie no 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 a phil phil's phil sandy yeah phil sandy okay i just i had to clarify because there's been a little bit too much sandy going on right now it's giving me (laughs) flashbacks to when me and joe used to work together and our boss's name was sandy oh jesus um not gonna go into that but we're not talking we don't talk about that (laughs) um so yeah, make sure you tune in for that, and um, and good luck to you. We also always love to thank our listeners, and, and especially our patrons, uh, for all your support. Uh, I'd like to thank Hunter Davenport, Brendan Lemune, uh, The Autistic Gamer 89, Christopher, Jacob Chavez, Leonardo Roberto, Talavera Barocio, Gorlami, <laughs> Amanda Tweed, Joe Has a Mustache, Dustin Elkins, Nick Lowry, Dalton Bell, Serge Murillo, Matt Collins, Tyler Monty, Lucio Fulci's butt. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. Every time. It gets me every time. <laughs> and Julie Lockwood. 
Uh, of course, thank you all on behalf of myself, Joe and Connor, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, as Joe loves to remind everyone at home, and we love to remind everyone at home, you could always head over to that Apple Podcast app, leave us a review. Five stars always helps. And if you got the time, drop us a review, and we will always share it on social media. Shout you out as a thank you for your support. Yeah, we also wouldn't mind the, uh, uh, another patron in there. We got a lot. Yeah, you know, you get your uh, personalized video. We've been, we've been doing that lately. I hope you guys are appreciating that, uh, following the social accounts. Uh, I, I think the most recent one for Lucio Fulci's butt mm-hmm. was a basket case. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Now, was that the first, second, or third one? That was the second one. Okay, that's kind of what I thought, because I know the third one is when he has the whole family and all that. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, fucking $2, $5, tier, $10 tier, you can do you can do one of those if, on the Patreon if you want. Or again, like Sean said, just hop on the, that Apple podcast. Everything helps. $2 tier, you get access to the posts and become an official dumpster dweller. $5, uh, we're going to... Like we talked about earlier in this episode, we're working on getting those commentary tracks out there, but you also will get a sticker pack mm-hmm. and everything from the $2 tier. And then that $10 tier, you get your movie dumpster t-shirt, uh, a glow-in-the-dark enamel pin, the stickers, uh, the commentary tracks, the post, everything, the whole shebang. And uh, we are forever grateful for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm really excited for those uh, for those commentary tracks. I'm really excited to do that for you guys. I- I'm hyped to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we we we're, uh, we also got some behind the scenes stuff for uh, the dumpster goblin coming up for our patrons, and um, stay tuned. So that's it. That's the pit from 1981, directed by Lou Lehman. Hey everybody! If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast, and make sure to leave us a five star review if you dig the show because it helps us get out of the bottom of the dumpster and into more eardrums. Yeah, and if you're on the social medias, you can follow us at Movie Dumpster on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. I'm sorry about you. You're pretty. But you're not pretty inside. People being bullied and hurt isn't funny. You'd probably spend your whole life giggling at other people's hurt. You should go too. That way you'd be together in heaven you're both the same goodbye pretty girl hey isn't that a little chancy i mean this is halloween isn't when all the creepy things are supposed to stock the earth it deals with demons demon resurrection of those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's domain The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant, but are never truly dead. It's Halloween, gentlemen. Halloween, have you forgotten? They're coming to get you, Barbara. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Trick or treat. 